Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Cadaver Lab Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Sam. And man, do we got a lot of good stuff for you. Oh my gosh, fully loaded. <laughs> Full frontal nudity loaded. What? I don't know. What? what? Where? Where's this coming from? I hope I, not in here. <laughs> it's what everybody looks forward to in movies and that's what we're doing We got We got a lot of that this week. Yeah. We went over some uh, giallos, which I cannot wait to start talking about yeah. but uh we have some let's get right into it because we don't want to waste too much time okay uh got some news do you want do you all have something first before we start or do you want me to go well let's go on the news first and then we'll get into the other stuff later all right first of all i just wanted to mention what a great success cadaver tracks for house of the dead was <laughs> oh my gosh that was hilarious <laughs> i mean let's put it this way Ferguson up in Logan, Utah, was made for cadaver tracks. Man, that guy had me laughing my ass yep. off over and over. In fact, I've tweeted a couple times just for no reason. Uh, wh- what did he say? Tyrone thinks you should take that shit back before he sticks his boot up your fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, so I've just, I mean, you know, the funny thing is, is I've even, uh, what I did with it, actually what Ferguson did, and he let me borrow it, but I'm going to return it, is he actually put it onto an MP4, he, he put his cadaver tracks on there, so we can, you know, all in one file, it's easy access, so I've been watching it at work, Yeah, and uh, I, got, I got to give a little bit of insight of what goes on here at the cadaver lab. We come over to my uh, my studio, we'll call it, I guess, and uh, we throw on a movie just for no, you know, just to kind of be in the background. And every once in a while, Sam will motion towards the TV because my back's towards it. But Sam's looking right at it, and I know that if he does that, there are boobies on the screen. <laughs> so I just looked over there, and I just caught her uh, pulling up her dress. So you got to be quicker with that. I'm sorry, dude. There wasn't anything yet. They were like dancing around, looking like they were going to. My bad. Uh, okay. I won't premature. Motion again. I, you better not. I am counting on you. <laughs> but anyways, uh, cadaver tracks. That's a lot of... You know what? I'm actually surprised at how well it turned out. Uh, I think uh, Spooky Bill did a great job. Ferguson did a great job. We I, we settled like a couple of idiots. Yeah. <laughs> it must have been really late. Oh, dude. Th- th- we've already recorded our next one, yeah. which is for the movie Tamara. Um, and that's going to be due on October 13th. Remember to, to get a hold of uh, Ferguson at cadaverlab.com. October 30th. What I say? 13th. Okay, yeah, you're right. It's October 30th, yeah. because what is it now? It's already October yeah, it's 15th. 15th or something. Yeah, anyway, so, uh, and just so you know, this is on Netflix streaming, instant viewing. It's on, it's available on Netflix DVD, if uh, if that's more comfortable for you. Or it's even on Hulu.com hmm. for free. Hmm. So uh, everybody take out their recorders. Let's get those all to Ferguson, because I'll tell you what, I think this one's going to be even better than the first one because everybody was kind of nervous except for Greg who was kicking ass. Yeah. But uh, no, so I think it's going to be a good one. I've, I've, I know that we have um, a few more bites than we had last time, but uh, just want to thank uh, Ferguson for doing that and Spooky Bill for for sending his in. They were great, man. That's a lot of work, but he se- but but Greg seems to enjoy and it. And did a great job. Fantastic. Because I, I turned it on right where he told me to, yep. and everything made sense, and it was really funny. Yep. It, it was funny because uh, I forgot that he was going to be just stating a line every once in a while to, to oh, track yeah. it. I thought he was making fun of the line. Oh. And he, I would laugh because he's that funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, we are still accepting Cadaver Lab videos. So, uh, what, you know, Spooky Bill put in a couple. This is your deal. What, what's up with that? What, where are we going with that? Yeah, so by the end of October, we just what we're looking for is a little bit of 
uh, some pimping. Pimping. To get out there on uh, YouTube. Because when you type in Cadaver Lab on YouTube, real Cadaver Labs show up. I don't know why the hell that is. I don't I don't. Uh, I would have thought that it would have been us. But so, but a, a few down there, you can see Spooky Bill. So we're so please, uh, if you if you're creative, if you want to, you know, Spooky Bill did a great job for the, the couple. Yeah, they're really videos. funny. And if you go check those out, just kind of see what the quality is. We're not looking for like big huge productions. We're just looking for something to kind of get our name out there, so that when people YouTube it, it's going to come. Well, up. And, ho- and hopefully, it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So then the votes are going to. So then we'll put it up for a vote, and then uh, we'll get a prize pack, including. Still, including Drag Me to Hell. That's already come out on DVD. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, why don't, why don't we do this? What if the person's already picked it up? Because honestly, oh. if they if they if they are a horror fan and they haven't picked it up yet, yeah. that might be a little bit. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know. They should be that's a good point. Themselves. Yeah, no, Maybe that's we a good should point. ask them. Yeah, that's a good point. We'll ask you uh, if there's a movie out that you want, and then we'll just go get it. No, that sounds good. So, except for I'm not buying like a fifty dollar specialty something. I don't know. <laughs> I've got this uh, region-free disc player, and there's this video <laughs> that's only available in Europe. No. Yeah, so, but, uh, no, we, we appreciate that, so we'll send some stuff. And uh, so just if you've got those, that'd be great. All right. Next item up for business. And this one, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do this first. Uh, just want to thank Black Dog and Leventhal Publisher for sending over a, a book called Zombies, Encounters with the Hungry Dead. Um, it's a group, I guess it's just a collection of short stories by a bunch of, uh, like Max Brooks, Stephen King, a bunch of other guys edited with commentary by John Skip. Uh, I can't wait to get that. I mean, it, well, God, it's a huge book. It looks yeah. like it, you know, a lot of contributors. I mean, a yeah. lot of stories in there. Absolutely. And I just, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Definitely. Um, the book actually comes out on, it's called the zombies encounter with the hungry dead. It, uh, comes out for release on October 20th. Or how do we, how do we get to be so special? I don't know. That just that happened with uh, with Joe Schreiber and a couple of books that I that I reviewed on the Examiner and it's up on uh, uh, Cadaver Lab as well. In fact, we're going to include an interview out at the end of this episode with Joe Schreiber. I'm going to go into it. I guess I could go into it right now. Let, let me bring up yeah. one thing because before we get into okay. that, just because I want to put it to bed. Yeah. All right. Think back to a few episodes ago. There was an incident. Oh. When we were coming up with porno names for different actors in movies. Uh-oh. And I don't know if you remember, we, we now refer to it as the Frying Cox incident. Yeah. The porno right. name for Brian Cox. That's right. Um, well, I got a shitload of emails for, from that. Really? Okay. I, that was, I mean, back then. However, we have done something even more controversial. Oh, no. Damn it. <laughs> I think you know what it is. I was hoping we were going to skip right over this because I, I don't want to have to defend... Because I no, thought no, about no, it no, all no, week, no, no, how no. how the mechanics work. No, no, listen, listen, we're not going to get into it again. That is, we're, that one is the incident that shall that deserves no name. Okay, <laughs> that is that evil of a. You know what's so funny is I was going through and I was planning on uh, editing it. I was thinking I, I got to remember to edit that crap out. No pun intended. <laughs> but uh, apparently, I was watching a good football game or something because I don't even remember listening to it Uh-oh. as I was editing. But apparently it, uh, well, let's just say it went over, well, I don't know, if it went over poorly with some, well, with others. However, I think this is my number one email receiver for <laughs> an incident. Uh, there were a couple of funny ones I want to mention. All right. <laughs> I think the first one I got was like, dudes, come on. Really? 
We expect more out of you than that. And to you, I say, why? <laughs> First of all, I say, why? You know, but, 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 but. Um, Jonathan Beasley, who is uh, a friend of mine on uh, Facebook, he, he he gave me a pretty funny, a uh, pretty funny message on my on my board. So he said, "Dude, your last show caused a debate over here across the pond." He's from uh, Great Britain. Mm. Today, I was listening to the last show, and when the "Do you fold or crumple?" issue came up, I asked the English dudes I work with the question. It's thirty percent crumple, which I belong to, versus seventy percent folders. Mm. One of the folders I branded a recycler because he said he folds, wipes, checks the folds, and wipes with the same paper. No way! So I dubbed him Sir Poopy Fingers of the Shop. <laughs> and I, I just wanted to make sure that the phrase Sir Poopy Fingers of the Shire uh, makes it over to this side <laughs> of the world. <laughs> also, uh, Allison, she... Uh, <laughs> Uh, this one is th- this one. I I you'll know why. I just decided to, to share this one. I took an unofficial poll yesterday at work, and none of the guys there have ever accidentally had their thumb up their asses. Must be just Sam, and must not be much of an accident. <laughs> that's <it. laughs> that's how she said. I'm not going to defend myself on that. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right, so um, I got I got two more quick things, really yeah, fast, yeah, yeah. and then let's do this. Yep. I just wanted to mention. Uh, uh, last episode, we did uh, Pimp Your Shit section, where we talked about uh, Kruger Nation and uh-huh. uh, a couple other podcasts. Oh, it was the the dmdrivein.wordpress.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to mention really quickly uh, another podcast that just started out. It's called the Dark, the dark Hours Horror Podcast at the doc, darkhours.net. God, I can't even talk. Uh, the host is Gray. His name is Gray. Uh, he's actually uh-huh. been uh, a caller. Uh, some of those unnamed voicemails oh, that we get. Okay, that, that uh, it was him. Oh, so, cool. Uh, I've seen him to... up on the forums too. Yeah, he he's been on there. He he um, started his own show and he has two episodes out. And I've actually listened to them right in a row. And uh, for this first two episodes, I've really enjoyed listening to him. I I listened to it yesterday, today, and those are the only his episode one and two are the only podcasts I've listened to in a couple of days. So uh, go over there uh, again. The Web address is thedarkhours.net. And uh, one last thing I wanted to mention, uh, our buddy over at the lightningbugslayer.com. Um, he's, he's been a contributor for us, uh, giving us some uh, emails, voicemails, things like that. Um, but he has got a, uh, one, of the most, one of the most excellent horror slash, what do you call it, cult movie websites out there. And, I'm, I'm, and I'll be honest with you, I go there all the time. Because a lot of times he'll have like screenshots of naked ladies and old giallos. Wow! So I go over there and check out, check that out first. For educational purposes. Well, I love it. Well, plus this guy knows more about cult cinema than than uh, he's forgotten more than I know. Let's just put mm-hmm. it that way. Anyways, uh, right now he is starting the seventeenth. He will be doing. I think he's starting the eighteenth. Uh, we're supposed to have uh, something submitted to him by the seventeenth. Uh, he is counting down his top thirteenth. Uh, excuse me, top thirteen sequels. His favorites. Um, go over there. I'm going to be, he's, he's asked a few people. I'm, I'm sure he's asked a lot of people to, to send in their top 13 favorite horror sequels. Um, and I'm going to send mine in and I just want to make sure everybody goes over there and checks that out. I love this time of year for mm. things like this. So yeah. I'm stoked. I mean, there's so much crap going on, you know, in the, with horror movies, AMC is going to start bringing up their, oh, their horror yeah. fest. And so we actually have to start thinking about what we're going to do for next episode. We, I want to make it horror theme or, uh, excuse me, Halloween theme. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyways, let's let's think about that. That's a good idea. Anyway, go ahead. 
Cool. Well, there's a couple things. First of all, let's let's do the uh, let's do the contest with what is Mike thinking. So I appreciate all the people that have sent in their guesses as to what Mike is thinking. And so you know what? Originally, I said you needed to email me. We had some people go ahead and post it. I don't, just do either one. I don't care. I'm not worried about people uh, copying. It's just not. And you don't way. care about. Uh, you're not going to only give one prize out to the first person who gets it. As long as there's no conspiracy that you tell everybody in the world what you're doing beforehand so I have to go out and buy a bunch of prizes. Well, let's put it this way. It's not like they're going to know until it's already done. Well, that's oh, what you mean as long as yeah. I don't. Yeah, you post it somewhere on the forums. Hey, guys, this is what I'd say to these movies. And then everybody puts it down. No, yeah, that's, everybody that gets it right, I will send out a prize pack. So don't feel like you need to be the first one. problem is, is the more prize packs he sends out, the shittier the prize. Well, I'm just be. Actually, I go to Blockbuster and buy movies. Sweet, yeah. you'll get shittier movies. <laughs> Except for they, when I bought El Chupacabra, it didn't have any uh, disc in there. Oh, Anyways, that was awesome. all right. So here are the three movies. Now, so we have the last horror movie, Sleepaway Camp and Reincarnation. Mike is going to tell us whether he he has to say, "Haven't seen it, uh, don't bother, watch it, or buy it." Okay. All right. So the last horror movie, watch it. I actually really enjoyed that movie. I don't think it would be as relevant now. Since uh, it bases a lot of its uh, story on uh, the dependence on VHS yep. tapes. But anyway, I There really was a lot of people to guess that you had not seen that. I, wow. They yeah. underestimated yes, me. Yes, they do. All right, so Sleepaway Camp. Because of the wiener at the end, I say buy it. And Reincarnation. I say watch it. Okay. It's kind of, it's kind of a slow burn the whole way through, but the ending is awesome. Cool, man. Well, I will match that up with all the entries that I've gotten, okay. and I'll announce the winners on the forums. Excellent. And uh, thanks for doing that. All right. <clears throat> so now we're going to go into uh, – I had the opportunity. I was contacted by uh, Delray Books to interview an author who is putting out the first Star Wars horror novel, which is pretty cool because I've read a lot of Star Wars books. I really enjoyed those. That was kind of my getaway from – textbooks as i was going to college i would read Nerd. star wars books it is nerdly but they were really good so i was happy when they contacted me about that now joe schreiber uh he lives in uh, in pennsylvania and he is the author of of death troopers which is the star wars novel and also a, a novel called no doors no windows now i've reviewed these books uh online at the examiner and there's a link on cadaverlab.com, uh, so if you want to go there and check that out, you can you can get a link to it. We're going to play an interview that I did with Joe at the end of this episode, so check that out. He's a really nice guy and has some really great insight into what motivates him. You know, some of the th- some of the challenges that go along with writing a horror novel. Um, I was interested. One of the things I asked him was about, you know, you write all this dark stuff. How does your family feel about that? I mean, what, what kind of reaction do they get? Do they start looking at you like you're crazy? So, anyways, check out that interview. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a quick overview of these two books. Um, I don't want to get too much in-depth in it because you really need to go check these out. They are excellent, excellent books. Quick reading. And one of the things that I really like about Joe's writing style is that he gets right to the meat of what's going on. He introduces you to characters. He gives you a little bit of backstory about the characters, enough that you care about uh, care about what they're doing and who they are. And then he just gets right into it. And, and left, right, left, right, he is, he is just making you uh, send the chills down your spine. So good pacing and things like that. But the first book that I read was No Doors, No Windows. And uh, that's a, the, the, the book is 274 pages long. And <clears throat> it's about a guy named uh, Scott Mast, who ends up going back home uh, to New England because his father dies. And as he's there, he's got his uh, brother, who's kind of a drunk guy all the time, 
and then uh, his brother's son named Henry. Uh, while he's there, uh, Scott finds a, an un- incomplete manuscript that his supposedly his father put together, and the story is really good. It's, it talks about uh, this house called Roundhouse, where there's a, a wing of the house that you can only get to through the inside. There's some pretty interesting architecture. architecture. Well, what happens is, is Scott... Uh, uncovers some some old family secrets uh a, a, a town legend and some things like that uh which really there's some twists and turns to get into it uh, and it turns into uh, joe described it as a uh a kind of a haunted house uh his attempt at a haunted house story that goes in you know with ghosts but then there's also some uh some pretty uh terrorizing parts there uh at the end but an, an excellent read i you know like i said that's it's a pretty quick read i read it in three days um very compelling characters really really good uh, i this has some coarse language there's a sex scene in it so i would i would rate it as an r <clears throat> so i wouldn't let your kids read it for any sort of book report does it have anything to do with 11 inch versus a? Uh, uh, no there's none of that going on but uh you know i'm not interested just <laughs> So, so that was really good. So that that came out October thirteenth. So that was just two days ago, as we reported recording the podcast. So Tuesday, October thirteenth, go check it out. Joe Schreiber is the author, and the book is No Doors, No Windows. The second book is the Star Wars horror novel called um, Death Troopers. Now, this is unique because it is the first Star Wars de- uh, horror novel, and Joe is actually working on his second Star Wars novel. Um, but the first one, this this Death Troopers, takes place about a year, I think it's it's maybe a year or two before A New Hope, which is Star Wars number four, but it's the first one of the originals. Um, and so what happens is, is there's this prison barge that's traveling through space. It breaks down, and so they need some parts in order to complete uh, where they're going to this prison moon. Um, and, and so... They happen to come across a derelict Star Destroyer, an Imperial Star Destroyer, and they can't communicate with it. They're, they can't get a hold of it. But anyway, so they, they get a, a landing party that goes on board, and as they're there going to get the parts, they come across some really creepy stuff. They can't find anybody, and uh, it ends up that some of the landing party brings back something horrible uh, that, that turns the uh, the dead into the living. Oh! And it gets into some pretty good gore and, and uh, a really good storyline. And so if you if you like Star Wars, it's, it's really a good book because it still incorporates the Star Wars themes, but it goes into some of the horror. And, and again, Joe does a great job of describing the horror, the gore, um, and really making it creepy. So I, I really enjoyed that uh, that dichotomy because you know most of the other Star Wars books that I've I've read, which is probably it's at least fifty, and I, I should, probably should admit that, but I've read probably fifty of these books. Um, they, uh, they they really don't get into too much of the gore stuff. I mean, it's really pretty tame. So I would say this is probably rated PG-13 uh, as far as a book goes, only because it's still it is Star Wars, so you can't have coarse language. Mm-hmm. There's no sex involved, but he does a good job of keeping it creepy. It's it's almost like a – it's kind of like the alien feel where it's this giant expanse of space and you've got this terrorizing story going on. Mm. In this in this little area. So, anyways, go go check that out again. Joe Schreiber, No Doors, No Windows, Death Troopers. They came out October thirteenth. Awesome, awesome books. Let me ask you. Even though um, this happens two years before the uh, A New Hope, and uh, it's in the Star Wars universe, too, are there any characters that we would recognize from the movies in it? Yes. But no more than that. I, I I don't want to give it away only because I he doesn't give it away at all anywhere. Okay. Um, and so I didn't know what to expect, and all of a sudden there's some tie-ins. So you, well, you can way. let me borrow that book now. Yeah, absolutely. I read that book in one day, 234 Not pages. Not all of us can read as fast I know, as you, Sam. I, I really spent the time to do it, but uh, 
Um, I read it in one day, and it was it was a quick read, but really, really good. Cool. Again, I meant to bring this up too before, but I forgot. Uh, I have been reading through Rob Best's Lakewood Memorial. I mean, I will admit that I haven't read a shitload of just flat out zombie novels. However, he did a great job. I mean, I I have uh, I actually have uh, had have had a little bit less time recently in the last few days. Before that, I I whipped right through it. I think I have probably 10, 15 more pages to get through and I am I'm going to do that. So, I just cannot believe what a great book that is and how talented Rob is. It was funny cuz me and you were talking about how we have this giant stack of books yeah. that we've got to get through and I you know, I'm going to I'm going to truck through as many as I can as yeah. quickly as I can, but so keep any ideas, keep them coming, but again, thanks to Joe Schreiber. Check out the interview at the end of this episode. Uh, really good guy, and he's got some great. He has some other works out there: uh, "Chasing the Dead," "Eat the Dark," uh, and, and some other things. So, you know, I'm gonna go check out the rest of his works. So, awesome. There you go. Cool. So, interview at the end of the show. Check cool. it out. Well, uh, are we on to our voicemails? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, Mike and Sam, it's Ed from upstate New York again. I've been reluctant to call in for a couple weeks after the debacle. I started mentioning. My location was close to Canada, and it really started a whole north-south type of dispute. And I'm in a unique situation because uh, the Canada that's north of me, they actually speak French. So besides being the annoying people that uh, you spoke of, it's even worse because they speak French. So the only thing worse than a Canadian, I guess, is a French-Canadian. The other reason I'm calling is I'm very disturbed about the level of compensation necessary for the penis eating. Uh, $10,000, really? Um, I think you need to reevaluate that or just come out of the closet already. Um, I thought of a figure for myself, and it was certainly uh, a lot more than that. I do get the cooked versus uncooked, but uh, we're still talking a lot of money. Um, Regardless, uh, if I could think of a group right now to turn your hatreds towards from the Canadians, I would, but I really don't want to start something else. Uh, Love the show. I'll keep listening. Bye. All right. First of all, I just have one little bone to pick with that. So either I can eat a wiener for $10,000 or come out of the closet. What the? I, I don't think that gay people eat wieners. Come on, you put enough sriracha on a cooked wiener, it'll be delicious. And let me tell you something: Bear Grylls is the toughest badass I know. I guarantee he'd eat a dick Who if he that? needed to live. <laughs> I don't Man know. versus Wild. Oh, oh, oh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he's he's one of the toughest guys I know. That dude drinks his own pee. <laughs> You know what? He doesn't and, have any sriracha, though. No, he doesn't have any sriracha. But dude would uh, he he would survive like that. So, dude, do you know what really bothers me? What is the fact that okay? So now I'm not going to lie to you. We've had a lot of uh, let's say controversial subjects. Yeah. that we've discussed over the over the last well, I don't know 43 episodes. Yeah, uh, the first one being the wiener. How much it would cost to eat a wiener? Yeah. Second one, of course, uh, the the incident that we will not give a name to. Yes. And then the uh, frying cocks incident. And many, I, sometimes I wish that those would just die because it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> they keep coming, especially in the forums, man. <laughs> Listen, we're realists here. 
we really get down and dirty when it comes to figuring out what would you do in that situation. I don't like the passion that you're showing right now. Come on, dude. I don't like Stand by me. Stand by your man right now. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) I stand by $10,000. Well, Mike and Sam, this will be Metal Mike who's making a return trip over to the Cadaver Lab from your newest episode. And... I, thankfully, I'm keeping it short this time out because I don't really have a whole lot to say. Because, of course, you know, I have zero experience with the movies. Although, you have convinced me, tonight, once I get home from work, I will actually put Cannibal Holocaust on my Netflix queue. It's going to be a while probably before I see it because it'll be kind of lower down there. And I also got movies I wish to review on my own, yeah, recorded bull crappery. But, hey, it'll be on there. You can miss me. But I have two main things to mention from this past episode. One, now, Sam, no, I don't criticize you too much. Understand my critiques on Sam are not numerous. But, Sam, remember all that pleasant talk you and Mike were having about wiping? Well, guess what? You nearly added me to the list of wiping stories from your sudden barking. I nearly had myself a freaking brown streak in my underwear from that crap. Ah, uh, dude. Ah, uh, you know you know I love you, but damn. My heart can't take some of those pleasant surprises there. And this goes out to a fellow listener here, so I, I, I will preface this Florida Possum by saying, again, you are truly a lovely lady, but wow. Man, you were just harsh on Mike and Sam. Oh, no mercy. No mercy. I felt kind of bad for the bros out in Salt Lake. Oh, well. But anyways, fine job on the Cannibal episode. And, yeah, take it easy. I'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, really, I will. And, ah, well, something beeped at me. Okay. No, I will wrap this up now. Take it easy, you twos and the Cadaver Lab Nation. And, yeah, talk to you later. Bye. I think that Flopo only treats us like that because she loves us so much. Yeah. Tough love. That's exactly right. You know what? She, she's tough, and it's tough to love us, but she can do it. Did, I, did that make sense? I, I don't I don't understand what you're talking about, but I feel your passion. Trust me. Dude. Why are we so passionate about this know. episode? I don't know. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. The bark is coming out, but it, you just never – no one will ever know when it's coming because it <laughs> no kicks more so barks, much ass. No more barks. Dude, what if somebody's driving? You know what? Really? I listen to it while I'm at the gym, and if I drop a weight on my neck like that dude, dude from, from the USC, USC <laughs> I'm going to be really pissed off. Or the guy from the basketball team. Did you hear about that? He was lifting weights on one of those uh, um, plastic, the, the the balls that you you roll on like that oh, to, yeah. to strengthen your core, uh-huh. and it popped, and he broke his arm. <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> Frankie Francisco or something like that. Anyways. Remember. That's great. So, yeah, the bar could be coming. You just never know when. Is it too early to start giving Middle Mikey shit about not putting out a new episode? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you know, I think it is. So we'll save that for next. I've only heard the one, my, man. I've only heard the one episode, and that's it. You know, it's okay. Whatever. Everybody thinks it's so easy just to slap on a mic and go to town. But you uh, know what? That's what we do. No, we there is production, value, and preparation <laughs> for every part of this. Uh, you know what I say to that? What? <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, Mike and Sam, it's Allison. I just got through listening to the latest episode, and I'm glad that you guys thought my um, horrible falling down was funny. I, I was cracking up listening to you guys. 
Um, I just had a question for you. Is there any, like, pet peeve moments you guys have for movies? I know I've watched a lot of horror movies over the years, and there are just a couple moments that happen that just make me, like, want to crawl out of my skin, especially, like, as an example, in the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, when they're opening monologue, the guy is talking, and instead of saying idyllic, he says idyllic, and instead of bizarre, he says bizarre, and it just makes me want to kill somebody. And since you guys watched a lot of movies, I was curious as to what your moments were. Thank you. First of all, I'd like to say that you're welcome. That was a nice that was a nice way to end the call with a thank you. <laughs> she, she must work on the phone because that was really polite. You know, there are a lot of people out there that uh, that are so used to calling people and working on the phone that they end conversations with things like that. You know who one of those dumbasses is? That would be me. You. I do that too. You know what is so every time. We, Sam and I'll be bullshitting. Listen, all right, thanks, Mike. Whoop, okay, <laughs> no, but uh, pet peeve moments. I will tell you. I, there's only one that I can think of that popped into my head real quick, and that's when you are in a sweet action movie. the The tension is high. You're going through. You're you're just excited. You're enjoying it, and all of a sudden, it slows down for a love not like a not like a love scene, but for two characters on that level where. They decide that they're going to throw out all of their preconceived notions and that they realize that all they thought of each other before is false and they can love one another. Bullshit. Yeah. Well, and my pet peeve is along the same lines where it happens all the time on the movies, but I can't think of one in particular, Uh where someone starts monologuing to the point, like they think we're so stupid that they actually have to catch us up with what's been going on. And to me, that indicates that your movie sucks shit. Dude. If you have to monologue to catch people up because they may have missed something that you think is so important, then you don't screw you. I That pisses me off <laughs> so bad. You know what's funny is in every one of these ep- movies that we did this week, they did that at the end. I called it the Scooby-Doo moment. Yeah. The explanation moment. Yeah, right. But anyways, I you know I did not hate that, but I see what you're saying. And, and you know what? these This wasn't it, too bad right. because at the end, you, you kind of have to wrap it up and explain what's going on, which is fine. But it's like, okay, so they just pissed me off. And I'm, I probably shouldn't admit this, but I watched the movie Premonition with Sandra Bullock several years ago. Anyways, so I'm, so I'm watching that, and she goes through, and she's trying to figure out because she wakes up on different days during the week, and they happen out of order. Uh-huh. So she's writing this down on a calendar. She's talking to herself about why these things are happening in this right order. Uh-huh. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Do you think you have to explain this shit to me? <laughs> this movie sucks anyways, but now you're explaining to me? You're going to call me an idiot? So anyway, I could go off all night on that because that really pisses me off. Well, I'm glad that uh, you have shown some self-restraint, self-control Thank there. Thank you. Hey, Mike and Sam, this is Spooky Bill. I'm second time I'm recording this because it cut me off before. What the fuck? Anyway, just got out of Paranormal Activity. It's about 1.30 in the morning. And uh, the movie was very good. It uh, built up the suspense slowly and then let you have it. Uh, yeah, it's re- it, was, it was freaky. It had some really good uh, good scares to it. Um, I saw it with a good crowd, too. You know, a bunch of uh, people that just scream. The girl that was sitting next to me, actually, uh, one of my coworkers, she... I, she grabbed onto me at one point. Not her boyfriend, who was sitting right next to her on the other side. No, she grabbed onto me and screamed. But another dude next to me threw his popcorn. Anyway, it had some good sprites in it. It was really good at building up the suspense. Um, I'm glad I saw it in the theater. Uh, I would. I don't know if I'd, I'd buy the DVD, honestly, having seen it already. But uh, I'd definitely give it a I'd give it a rent and. Uh, 
you know, I don't think the rewatchability is, you know, what's going to happen. Um, it still is kind of, kind of freaky. Um, I, on a personal note, I've had nothing, you know, to that extent, but the house that I grew up in, uh, both my mom and I believed that it was haunted. There was a lot of weird shit that happened. Um, pretty much like at the beginning of the film, she finds her keys in the middle of the floor. Shit like that used to happen all the time for me. I'd have, like, the trash from my room, papers, just dumped in the middle of my floor. Um, stuff would disappear. Not, you know, physically disappear. It was just, I don't know where it went. And then all of a sudden it's on the basement stairs, like a week later. We had one time, we had an alarm clock just go off in the basement, and it had been in a box. It was battery-operated, but it had been in a box for months, and nothing, nothing, nothing. And all of a sudden, just one day, the alarm starts going off. It was just, uh, it was weird. There was other stuff, shadow people that they call them. We used to see the freakiest thing was I was home alone, and I heard my mom call my name, and she was at work. And I'm like, oh, you're home early. Mom? Nothing. I went out, didn't see her down the hallway, went into the garage. Her car wasn't there. I left the house. I think I was in high school at this time. I left the house, and I went out and sat by the mailbox for I don't know how long, but uh, it just felt like a long time, but I did not want to go back in. Uh, yeah, I'll start to, there's some other stuff, but I'm not going to fill up your voicemail. That is all. Paranormal activity. Go see it. Um and rent it, you know, maybe maybe acquire a copy that way, but definitely good, definitely worth it. Definitely good scares, definitely good suspense. Acting was really believable. Um I, th- there were the, you know, vocal pauses of, of you know, so, somebody like me who's got a, a camera and uh doesn't really know what to do and kinda uncomfortable at first talking into the camera, grabbing the camera. And, uh, yeah, no, good movie. I liked it. How many times am I going to say good movie? I don't know. Probably till like, get home. Because the wife and kids are out of town, so I'm going home all alone. And there's nobody there but my dog and my cat. So, uh, but my dog's kind of a, a pussy. And my cat, well, obviously, is a pussy. Anyway, all right, this is Spooky Bill. Bye. Hey, Mike, it's Sam Spooky Bill again. Yeah, I gave you all that, um, personal information. Um, that's cool. That's the, the side of me that wants to believe there's some stuff I, I gotta be because I gotta tell you because I am I am a bit of a skeptic as well which the the rational side of me wants to say all that stuff that I experienced the stuff that happened when my mom wasn't around um I I don't know I can I can discount I'm prone to sleepwalking or at least I, I used to be and I am when I'm really stressed um so some of it could have been me sleepwalking. Um, I also had a brain tumor when I was uh, uh, 13. Um, I had surgery to have it removed, and I had radiation treatments. Now, I never had any visual or auditory hallucinations that I know of. However, you know, that side of me says, well, maybe there was something neurological as far as that goes, and... Maybe that that was a symptom. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, that's just something else. You know, the skeptic in me wants to rationalize that stuff out and can't discount it. But, yeah, that's all. Um, anyway, this has been Spooky Bill trying to, uh, I guess, rationalize things before I go to sleep tonight. Uh, <laughs>
No, I'm all right. I'm not, you know. Yeah. Okay. You, it's funny, listen to that where you're trying to justify the paranormal activity stuff. Because I know me and Mike have talked about seeing that ghost in that graveyard. Yeah. And you can justify the holy crap out of that, but it happens. I mean, there's just, you can't explain some stuff. And you know what? If if you had a brain tumor when you were 13 and there was some radiation and stuff like that going on, um, you know, who's to say that didn't affect it? But I'll tell you what, there's too many people in the world that have not had something happen like that but they see something paranormal that they can't explain it. You know, and the you know the bad thing is about that is on both sides you just can't prove it either way. Yep. You know, and the, you know it's funny is my mother-in-law uh loves to tell these stories about she she used to live in this really old portion of Salt Lake City with you know these hundreds of uh, of year old houses and things like that and she said she claimed had all of these paranormal experiences like and she even knew the names of some of the the spirits that were living in there and and whatnot. And you know what's funny? Is um I don't know maybe it has something to do with she has her head up her ass all the time but no I'm just, you know what I'm just teasing I'm just teasing mother-in-law joke I actually think my mother-in-law is wonderful didn't always but now I do but uh, anyways you know what I say it's personal to eat yeah. you know to each thing. I, I don't think that anybody can tell you one thing or another you you experience it whatever yep I don't want to get all serious or anything but yep. but uh, I I can't help but really be freaked out by this I know I mean cause the, the 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 difference is is remember how we did it as yeah. dick wads we yeah. did with our buddies yeah and then the next time there was a whole different feeling to it and everything like that yeah. and i guess that could have been us just psyching ourselves mm-hmm. out but i swear to you it was it, more and i mean i don't i don't want uh you know i don't want uh, someone calling about ah, you guys are dumbasses because i don't give a shit yeah I mean, right i mean no offense to you if you believe that fine if you believe that i'm an idiot for you know being freaked out and scared that i saw a ghost that's fine but uh, I don't care. Yeah. I mean, am I being right. a dick? No, because it's, it's <laughs> like you said, it's one of those things, it's, it's a pretty personal thing. I enjoy hearing those stories, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, definitely. Sorry for all those uh, people who I just called dicks, but uh, quit being a dick. <laughs> hey, Mike and Sam, Spooky Bill again. I don't mean to be a voicemail stalker. I'm sorry, but I just had to share an experience that I had last night. Now... I saw paranormal activity, yeah, 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 you know that. You're probably playing these back-to-back. Anyway, um, you know the feeling when something kind of gets you on edge, right? All your senses are heightened, you start, you start, you know, hearing everything. Well, that's kind of how I was last night. I've only gotten three hours of sleep. Not all because of the movie, but I probably would have gotten an extra 30, 40 minutes because of the movie. Um... The reason being, let me explain just a part of the movie. I can tell you without giving away, but she claims, the woman, she claims to feel breathing and hear breathing, and they they play on that through the movie, too. So I get home. I'm ready to go to bed. I'm laying down. The house is stone quiet. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's silent. And all of a sudden, fucking that night of all nights, I hear... Like, what the heck was that? It's like, ah, my imagination. Then I hear it again. So what the fuck? I get up. It's my freaking toilet tank. The the stopper is just caught on the um, the chain just a little bit, so it's slowly leaking. But it's leaking, and then it's filling up again, and it sounded like breathing. Yeah, okay. Forget this. 
I'm just about to fall asleep. I feel fucking breathing on my face. I open my eyes, and my cat has his face right in mine. <laughs> All I see is his face when I open my eyes. <laughs> I jumped a little bit. I'm not a pussy um, that much. You know, things, uh, yeah. But, yeah, it got me on edge, you know. I heard everything, but I had to share that experience because, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't think uh, the movie would have been complete without it. All right, that's all. I'm on my way to work. To work a 12-hour shift on three hours of sleep. Lovely. But you got to do what you got to do. Bye, guys. Dude, so I really want to go check out Paranormal Activity, and I hope uh, my cat doesn't do that shit. I don't have a cat. But <laughs> but uh, you know what's funny is my toilet growing up did that to me. The oh. same thing where a little bit of water would seep over the top and, you know, in the tank in the back. It's, it uh, sounded just like breathing, dude. I swear to you, it scared the crap out of me. I remember screaming for my dad. <laughs> dad! You know, the funny thing is I was in a bunk bed about two feet away from the ceiling and right above me was him in his bed and it took him like two hours to come down and help me. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, that's great. No, I think I'm going to go check that out tomorrow. I'll see if my wife will come with me. I don't think she's ever heard of it. I know it's playing here, and uh, maybe if I uh, – I'll just tell her it's like some kind of a Ghost Hunters thing. Ooh, nice. Because she like, she'll watch Ghost Hunters yeah. with me, and uh, so I'll tell her it's that, and then uh, we'll go. I'll say, you know what? i got to do it for the examiner but, uh, <laughs> You know, because it's, it's a legit thing. I might, that's right. I might get some pennies from people clicking on my links. Fuck, it's Patrick. Holy crap. Yeah, so I told you I'm behind on episodes and shit, right? So I'm in a grocery store listening to you guys talking, you know, yeah, 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 we're gay, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I shouldn't say that. You guys aren't gay. You're just so deep in the closet you can see Narnia. But that's not my point right now. I'm in the grocery store listening to you, and one or the other, I don't know which one, mention that you peed in one stall away from Doug Bradley. Holy crap, dudes. The last horror hound. Every time I went to the goddamn men's room, Doug Bradley would appear in the stall next to me with his dick in his hand. It was freaking me out. It made me nervous the first time. I'm like, ooh, I'm being next to a celebrity. After a while, I'm like, are you following me? Are you trying to see my junk? But the other weekend, I was like, okay, this is creepy now. And then when I got home, I kind of kept expecting him to just show up when I peed in my bathroom. Hello, Patrick. Time to play. Time to play. Yeah, and he also said something about a caller. Yeah, he asked if if length ever really did detract. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Because sometimes you look at it and you're like, whoa, no way. No way. I like my insides on the insides. Thank you very much. I've shared too much. Fuck off, die. I mean, bye. Dude. <laughs> Time to play with your wiener. <laughs> oh, man. Hopefully you didn't open up any box or something, except for it was like a box full of those like uh, toilet wafers or something in the <laughs> D- Doug Bradley. That's dumb. That's dumb, okay? Up mine. Up yours. All right. Oh, man. God, I love hearing from Patrick. I know. Man. Oh, yeah, Mike, Sam, <laughs> Skin 4A. Uh, what's wrong with you sick, poor, ridiculous asses that you're not here in Erie to, to enjoy this wonderful festival and to uh, show some support to your, your good friend? Huh? What, what, what's the deal, man? If I ever see you, I won't see you. You got that? 
This is it, man. I've waited here. I, I came here especially to see you two guys, and uh, I'm terribly disappointed. And if I do see you and I do recognize you, I'll decide to recognize you. I may pop punch both of you in your fucking faces. <laughs> That's not a dude you want pissed off <laughs> no, at you. No way. Oh, my gosh. Hey, uh, that was Ken Foray, the Ken Foray, our buddy there was Corey. Chorus goes to all of the awesome horror film festivals and uh, horror conventions there in uh, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, and all that stuff. Man, you know, I wish we had more stuff like that here. Yeah. But uh, I guess I guess it wouldn't. An episode wouldn't be complete without uh, somebody giving a shit for not being <laughs> in some kind of a Jeez. some kind of a, a horror convention. Yeah, that's all we got today. Awesome. So uh, let's take a quick break, and then we will go into our Giallo films. Yes. Welcome, friends. Quite the weather out, isn't it? Might even say we're in for a devil of a night. Ah! Pull up a chair and join me in the library for the Darkly Lit podcast. We'll be reading and discussing some of the classic dark literature of the past. Subjects will include horror, Lovecraft, Poe, science fiction from H.G. Wells, and mysteries like Sherlock Holmes. You can find us at darklylit.wordpress.com. See you there, if you have the nerve. Hi, can I have urology, please? Just one moment, please. Thank you. Urology, this is... Uh, hi, I, I've got a question for you. I, um, do you guys have, like, a, a back entrance to come into the clinic? A back entrance to the clinic? Yeah. Can I ask why? Well, yeah, yeah it's, it's a little embarrassing, but I was... I was doing some housework around the house earlier today, and I tripped and fell, and I got my genitalia stuck in a vacuum hose, and so okay. um, um, I've, I've done some damage, and I've, I've iced it for the last couple of hours, but I think I may have um, 
separated a testicle or something. I mean, it, it is extremely okay. painful. You're so, pain or? yeah, I mean, it, it hurts really bad. I, I like okay. I said, I did some, I examined it a little bit, and it looks like there's some black and blue. But I, I mean, I, I can't even really wear pants very well. So I was thinking that I probably ought to. I don't want to come in the front door, but I was okay, thinking can maybe. You hold, and I will check. Yes. Sir. Yes. There is no doctor in right now, so you'll, oh. you'll have to go to the ER. That doesn't need to be dealt with. Oh, so do you think do you, do you think they've got some sort of like uh, non-discreet entrance or something like that? You'll have to call and, and see ahead of time. I'm not okay. sure about that. All right. Well, I, uh, I I appreciate that. Thank you. No problem. All Thank right. you. Uh-huh. Bye. I tell you, Sam. The other day, I tripped and fell. <laughs> you tripped and fell. And your genitalia got stuck in a vacuum hose, and she just was like, "Oh, yeah, okay." Well, it's, it's almost it's almost as bad as my church and fell and got him stuck in a mousetrap. That <laughs> that sucked really bad once. <laughs> oh, no wonder everyone thinks we're gay. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, wow, we're back. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys noticed the change in uh, sound quality or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, Sam and I had a couple of technical issues. Mostly I did because my computer shit on us. So, we're, so it, it, I was hoping to have this episode out a little earlier, but we're in the middle of the day. I played hooky from work, kind of, so I could uh, can come and chill up. So we get this out. You know, I get do... to the people. Listen, I do have a new... I do have another piece of news that I've got since uh, we last recorded. Yeah, what's that zombie book that, that uh, we had? That, uh, Something about the Hungry Dead. The Hungry Dead. reading it. Zombie? Oh, yeah? Is it any good? Dude, the first story is uh, it is awesome. Really? I guess it's this Russian writer, and I don't know how old he is, but he decided to take the story of Lazarus from the Bible that Jesus raised after uh-huh. he was dead for three days, and then he, he's a zombie. Nice. It's awesome. <laughs> so, But just so you know, I got an email from the... From Allison, she's going to send us another one to give out as a prize. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. This so, is, it's a big old thick book of like 27 short stories from all sorts of authors and uh, really good stuff. So that's pretty sweet. Um, I'll let Sam come up with a nice contest for that. Yeah, Sam's, Sam's the contest genius around here. Yeah. You don't understand how hard it is. Listen, and you guys, you know, I'm coming up with some pretty stellar contests. <laughs> uh, I'm excited about these. It just gets creative. Nice. Uh, okay, so it feels weird not to have like a microphone in front of your face. Yeah, it does. I don't have to worry about breathing too heavy or hitting something. Well, it's great. Now, now when we look at each other, there's nothing in between us at all. So we feel a little naked. I do feel a little naked. Why don't we just get naked? So I'm cutting that apart out. <laughs> just anyway, so okay, so this week or this episode, we're talking about giallos. All right, so giallo basically what that is is it started off in um, in Italy. What they would do is they would, uh, authors would write these books that were murder mysteries or, or crime stories, things like that. Um, however, what they would do is they would really amp up the, the violence, the gore, and the sex in it. And uh, so what makes a better movie than violence, gore, and sex? Nothing in yeah. my book. Yeah. So basically, they ended up starting making movies about these. They do call them giallo uh, because that's the, fr- or, sorry, the Italian word for yellow. And basically, what they would do is they would release these books with bright yellow covers so that, um, you know, they were noticeable and, you know, it kind of almost became a brand type of deal. Not, not necessarily a brand, but you know what you were getting into, you know, if you went into a section of books or whatever with, uh, with yellow covers. Also, 
Um, Jason, uh, a guy named Jason, shot us an email saying that one of the reasons, too, that he thinks that uh, they're called giallos is because they used to print them on really cheap paper that would actually turn yellow. Hmm. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure which is uh, w- how that plays into it, but I do know that it was all because of the the yellow covers. However, once Giallo started coming out as movies, they I mean they they came out and um, we're going to talk about three of them today. Two of them were you know pretty violent, pretty sexual. You know, it, I guess it just kind of took the same themes and ran with it. Uh, the first movie that we're going to be doing today is uh, Blood and Black Lace which uh, came out in 1964. A house of high fashion, a dazzling whirl of elegance, of exotic, extravagant beauties. An adventurous journey into the devastating allure of the most sophisticated women and their intimate secrets. Suddenly, these lace curtains ignite a drama that will lacerate your emotions. Blood and black lace. Who is this shrouded, sadistic, sordid fiend who maims and murders? Why this bloodthirsty orgy, this holocaust of lives? In bleeding color. For shattering, shivering, shocking experience. Blood and Black Lace. Uh, IMDb gave it a 7.5. Uh, Mario Bava directed it. Uh, Mario Bava is the director of Bay of Blood, The Body and the Whip, Diabolic, Barren Blood, The Black, or excuse me, Black Sunday, and The Evil Eye. And those are the only ones I've seen. I mean, there, I, there's a lot of other ones on his list. I just haven't seen any of the other ones. So I don't know. Um, anyways, written by Marcello Fondanto, Giuseppe Barilla, and Mario Bava. Uh, the budget was 150k. It starred Cameron Mitchell as Max Marion, Eva Bartok as Contessa Cristina Como, um, Thomas Rainier as Inspector Sylvester, Ariana Gorini as Nicole, Dante Di Paolo as Frank Scallo, and Mary Arden as Peggy Payton. Uh, the synopsis: Isabella, a young model, is murdered by a mysterious mass figure in a boarding house run by Max Morlacci and his lover Countess Cristina Como. When Isabella's boyfriend is suspected of the killing, her diary, which apparently has some incriminating evidence leaking her to the killer, disappears. The masked killer begins killing off all the models in and around the house to find the diary. So what would you think? You know, this was this one was pretty good, but uh, I, I watched this one second. Uh-huh. After so, what? After I watched Tenebrae. Uh-huh. And, and I had seen Tenebrae before, but I went back and I really enjoyed it. And then I watched this, and I'm expecting, hey, it's blood and black lays, dude. And I saw the cover. Right. I'm thinking, this is going to be pretty you know, sexy. You know what the thing is? Is is uh, a lot of these giallos have really racy names. Yeah. And really racy covers. Uh, you know, and most of them that I've seen kind of deliver on this. But I'm with you. Like, They also name them awesome things like... Uh, what was that one I'd seen? Strip nude for your killer. I just yeah. got in the mail. And all sorts of all sorts of stuff like uh, watch these big giant boobies get cut up or some crap like that. But anyway, <laughs> so yeah, I was I was watching this and the, the story was going on pretty good. But throughout the whole thing, I'm thinking this is PG-13. Yeah, it was. This was this was very tame. But I, I you know I really liked the giallo thing. I really am a sucker for the murder mystery type thing where I can't figure out who it is and what's going on. And and one thing I noticed, they go out of their way to make sure that, yeah, okay, it makes sense, 
but they're not leaving anything off the table out of the realm of possibility of, of how it's coming together. So, right. you know, I thought it was, it was, thought it was pretty decent, but I, I really thought it was pretty tame compared to the other ones. Well, in, it came out in 1964, which this was one of the first Giallos um, in existence. Well, that's probably why. It's funny because I can't remember if we've already, I mean, we're barely into this, but I th- keep thinking that maybe you already said something, but it's 55 years old. 1964 yeah, right. doesn't think, I mean, it seems, it seems old, but when you say 55 years old, First of that's all, I'm thinking that I'm getting old. Yeah. And, but, I mean, that's that's a long freaking time. Wow. As far as the story goes in the movie itself, I mean, apart from the lack of nudity and uh, gore and things like that, I think it was a very well shot movie. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was it kind of reminded me of Suspiria a little because of the um, like the blues and the deep reds and all these other types of uh, you know lights that were going on. I mean. It, it had. It may have had something to do with the fact that that they were all in this. Uh, what were they called? They called it a salon. It was yeah. like a fashion house where yeah. these girls would show up. They, you know, they would. It was their job to to come get ready. And I'm sure they wanted to see them in all the lights and stuff like that. But anyways, but it's. And I'm with you as far as the story is concerned too. I, I mean, I really liked it. I think, it, but it kind of suffered from a little bit of the, as the black lace, blood and lace turns, where you've got this overly dramatic. Uh, soap oh, yeah. opera type feel as you go along to the story, but if you can get past that, and like at the end when the people are talking right there towards the end, it just goes overboard dramatic. Well, and there were there were a lot of I mean there were a lot of dramatic parts like overly almost cheesy yeah. drama. Right. I was watching this with my wife actually, and she was kind of she was kind of making fun of it because I always waste I was watch the. The Ghost Whisperer with her, and I always kind of waste her on, like, oh my gosh, that's so dumb. So, we just got done watching an episode of that, so what she decides to do is, um, <laughs> we throw up Blood and Black Lace, and she's out to get me. But there was one part where this, this, uh, this woman was getting all upset because all the men that were around the house, like her boyfriend, the guy who ran it, and a bunch of guys who are usually around the, uh, salon with them, were all taken to jail, you know, and questioned. And she was going to go home, and she's like... Oh my gosh, there's no men around. What am I going to do? I can't, I, you know, I'm so scared. And my wife just tore into me. And there were some, a lot of, you know, little drama parts like that that were, I got a little bit irritating. I'll, I'll give that to you. Yeah. Well, but, but overall, I mean, it ended up being good. I, I was surprised at how unique the killer was as far as right. like his mask. Um, you know, I think we talked about it being, looking like the guy in The Watchmen. Or yeah. like a Dick Tracy character from the movie that Dick Tracy. Well, time ago. you know the thing is, I was thinking about this, and it's like they pulled like it was like almost thicker pantyhose over it, but because of the because the film's kind of washed out a little bit, it almost looked not like organic, but it didn't look like it was um, a bun- like, like fabric or necessarily or something. I mean, I know it did, but it kind of melded in a little bit better, I think, only because it was kind of fuzzy and yeah. you know made that long ago but the killer was good i mean the killer was menacing looking yeah and they had some there were some good kills i mean you had a lady that got her face burned against a a uh, a heater her hand first right. which looked painful but then there's the heater and then one part that i thought that was really good which i give these movies a lot of credit for is when people get drowned or they die underwater uh-huh. well, that is completely believable like yeah. they don't they don't shy away from like if you see movies today where someone drowns they're either upside down or something, so you don't have to look at their face. Right. These guys, they drown people with their faces up, and they don't blink. There's no bubbles. They're right. just floating there. And there was one where they drowned her, but then they decided to slit her wrists, 
And so she had this blood kind of kind of move throughout the water up towards her face. And I was like, man, that just that is just cool. That that is that that is a cool death. Even though it's kind of wussy, it was still it was still a cool death. So. So, uh, basically, all this movie's about it. We mentioned a little bit in the synopsis that um, there are uh, you know, th- this one woman who has been keeping a diary, and basically, something in that diary. There is something in that diary about every one of these characters, and it's something that these characters want to hide. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are themes in here of uh, corruption, blackmail, uh, abortions, drug addiction, uh, you know, things like that. And so, basically. It turned out being a pretty good mystery because everybody could have wanted to kill mm-hmm. Isabella and to continue to kill all these other characters because, you know, it basically had something on every one of them. I would, I mean, I would, it seems like after especially watching all three of these movies that Giallo ha- Giallos have a lot in common with, like, the slasher. Mm-hmm. Except a lot of slashers, not every slasher, but a lot of slashers... You know who's going out and killing people, right? I mean, you know, I mean, not not with like, uh, what's that one where they show her that girl's wiener? That sound weird that I said that. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Uh, Sleepaway Camp. Oh. You didn't yeah. know who that. You didn't know who the killer was there. And there's a few others, but a lot of times, especially in a lot of sequels, they just say, "Oh, hi, this is Jason, or, or this is Monster X, and whatever," and, and he's going out killing people. How do we stop him? Well, this kind of took. I mean, it kind of had to do the same thing. It, uh, t- it took every character and then killed them one by one. And then, um, uh, except for the, the best part is, is that we didn't know who it was, and you can guess who it was, and I did guess who it was, and I was wrong, so, mm-hmm. I don't know. So, uh, what do you give it? You know, I give this a an AMC. And the only reason I do is because I've seen, we did Deep Red already on this, on the Cadaver Lab podcast. Yep. I've seen Tenebrae before, and we've watched some other Dario Argento movies, and so to go back and watch this one after I've watched the others, uh, they just it just is a little bit too weak for me. Mm-hmm. But I hesitate because we talked about it being fifty five years old. But well, one good thing is is you could probably watch this whole movie on AMC. Yeah, they probably wouldn't have to cut a thing out of it. No. So yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and give it an AMC just because of that. You know, I I would give it a red box. Um, I, you know, I can't remember what I gave it last time. What I give it a box. <laughs> Apparently, apparently, I gave it a buy the first time that we uh, that we recorded. But after thinking about it a little bit more, I think I would give it a red box only because it wasn't quite as it didn't stand up to the other ones. And I realize that this is one of the earliest ones. However, the 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 thing is, is I mean, we have we have movies that start or that like start a genre or you know that are one of the very first. Like uh, like the other night, I watched uh, Wolfman from what, like nineteen forty one or there's something. A new one coming out. Yeah, there's a new. Awesome. One. It looks really good. Wow. This is the one. You know, this is the original one with Long Chaney. And, and the, besides the weird fact that it was okay for him to appear into a girl's bedroom with a giant telescope, and that seemed that that didn't seem to cause a big stroke or a big uh, panic or anything like that. But I mean, you know, I really liked it. And just because it's old doesn't mean that that it lacks, you know, like in that case. Like, for instance, this case, this is one of the best, but I still kind of, I still kind of, I, I changed my mind just because I just don't think, I mean, it was really good, mm-hmm. but I just don't think that it was, uh, it, it, the the story or anything like that made up for some, it, it's lacking of being an older, you know, uh, an older and not gory and mm-hmm. not, um, you know, sexually charged giallo. Yeah. So I so I changed it. And I've been, I've actually I actually watched it again for a little while mm-hmm. just to kind of 
Because what, what? When did we record last? Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday. Now it's it's Monday. Mm-hmm. So I just went through it. I went through all the movies again just to kind of make sure I knew what I was talking about. But anyway, so I'll change mine to red box. All right, we got that down. So we, the memory count on this was zero, <laughs> which goes to our points. Uh, what did I learn? The people on Giallo's talk without moving their lips. What? So that just happens on all of them. It's just a common theme that, like, she was kissing the guy and they were, and she was still talking to him. Like, by the way, she kissed him with gross. like fish lips. Yeah, it was gross. It was, like weird. It was bizarre. Uh, so and then who else said that? He's a man who awakens such deep feelings in me, but afterwards I feel limp. Empty. Whoa! That is the Nobel Peace Prize Committee's cock. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That's just as funny the second day. I was going to say. I forgot. I forgot. And then Six Degrees, this also started a little bit of a controversy. Uh-oh. Cameron Mitchell was in Codename Vengeance with Shannon Tweed, which Mike introduced me to. Oh, I didn't. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's mention that on the show again. <laughs> Shannon Tweed, you... Dude, I swear the okay. So for all those who don't know who Shannon Tweed is, she was like the queen of what was it, early '90s uh, or maybe middle '90s, early '90s uh, softcore movies. And uh, I remember walking through the drama section yeah. at Blockbuster and seeing the, seeing Shannon Tweed half dressed on there. Now I he think, knew that was gonna be a good one. Oh yeah. Oh well, the movie was gonna suck a big one, but the well, you brought home a woman scorned or something like. that. I brought home. Yeah, and so we started. What did we live together? And she's like, she's like working out naked <coughs> on, the, on the on the bow flex and stuff. I was like, wow, that's hot. I don't. You know what the thing is? Is I think it's you because I don't think I would have rented a movie like that. I I, I'm I'm thinking. Sure. All right. I just always think of Shanna Tweed as your bitch that you. I used to think that. How is that possible? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think know. we're ever going to solve... I don't ever think we're going to be able to come to an impasse on that. But I can guarantee that Metal Mikey has stories about Shannon Tweed. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing those on the next Why, why Shannon? Oh, because action attraction? Well, no, I don't know. Just because I think Shannon Tweed is a guy, or is a chick, Whoa. who really gets his Tweed going. My, so, Mikey's Tweed? Yeah. Nice. So we're going to see how that goes. Anyway. Excellent. So Shannon Tweed was then in Meatballs with Patrick Dempsey. Wait, wait, how did we get to Shannon Tweed? From Codename Vengeance. She was in, okay, Cameron Mitchell was in Codename Vengeance with Shannon Tweed. Okay. Who was in Meatballs 3 with Patrick Dempsey. Who was Dr. Dreamy on Grey's Anatomy. If you didn't know that. No, I didn't. Uh, oh, who was I... in Maid of Honor with Sidney Pollack. Pollack. Which I really love to, yeah. to have that in one or six degrees. Who was in Random Hearts with Harrison Ford. There's another really one. sweet here. Uh, who is in Clear and Present Danger with Willem Dafoe. Who's in Spider-Man with Bruce Campbell. And in honor of my book review of Star Wars, I'm going through Harrison Ford for every one of these. Excellent. Which actually takes me through Willem Dafoe to Spider-Man for all of these. But at least we got Harrison Ford in there. Sweet, dude. All right, let's take a quick break. Listen. Do you hear it? It's getting closer. Much closer. Don't be afraid. Be very, very afraid. I've got a message for you. Ready for death. Oh yes, there will be blood. 
Ray, take a journey with me through the dark side of cinema in the Dark Hours Horror Podcast. Find it at thedarkhours.net. no shape. It's far beyond anything your mind could ever conceive. Hi, this is Ferguson. Mmm, smells like a sausage fest in here. You know what really turns me on? When douchebags like you watch horror movies and record your lame-ass voices. Mmm. It's called cadaver tracks, assholes. Ever heard of that before? For this month, we're watching. Oh, Tamara. It's a story of an undead hooker. Oh, I love hookers. Record your voice while slathering on that lotion. Oh, I, I mean... Watching that movie. Send the audio file to Ferguson at cadaverlab.com. All files must be sent by October 30th. So, boys, what do you think? Can you handle it? Oh, I need to go take a shit right now. My hemorrhoids are flaring. Oh, oh, that's hot. All right, we are back. So, um, everybody, make sure you get your cadaver tracks in. If that yeah. if that did not motivate you to get your cadaver tracks in, nothing will. If that not did not motivate you or remind you go to go get your tux medicated pads, <laughs> there's something wrong with you. Exactly. We'll have to go a little harder next time. Whoa, oh, that's disgusting. All right, so let's talk about Tenebrae from 1982. all your books, Mr. Neal. The book deals with a murder committed with an old-fashioned open razor, right? This girl, too, was killed with a razor, and your book's pages stuffed into her mouth. Can I ask you something? If someone is killed with a Smith & Wesson revolver, do you go and interview the president of Smith & Wesson? 
Peter, Peter, you can't let me down now. We're within two days of making a deal. Please, stay just until Friday. My life is in danger. There's no deal in the world worth risking my life for. Not anxiety or fear, but freedom. You wrote those words, page 46. Freedom to strike again, Peter. Listen, don't hang up. We have to talk. You told me how, Peter Neal. You and me together. We've just begun. <laughs> I'd never written that book. You don't mean that. I've made charts. I've tried building a plot the same way you have. I've tried to figure it out, but... I just have this hunch that something is missing. A tiny piece of the jigsaw. Somebody who should be dead is alive, or... Somebody who should be alive is already dead. Explain that. You know, there's a sentence in a Conan Doyle book. When you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. IMDb gave it a 7.2. It was directed and written by Dario Argento, uh, starring Anthony Francioska as Peter Neal, John Saxon... Roper! John, oh, yeah. As uh, Bulmer. I have shook, shaken John Saxon's hand. That keeps so much ass. He's, a, he's a kind of an old dude now. Uh, Daria Nicolodi played Anne. Giuliano Gemma played Detective Germani. Uh, Christian Borromeo played Gianni. I thought it was Johnny the whole time, but it's Gianni. It changes the whole thing for me. Uh, Mirella D'Angelo played Tildy. Uh, Veronica Lario played Jane McCarroll. And Anna Pironi played Elsa Manny. With Argento's trademark visual style linked with one of his more coherent plots, zing, dick, Tenebrae follows a writer who arrives to Rome only to find somebody is using his novels as inspiration and occasionally the means of committing murder. As the, as the death toll mounts, the police are ever baffled, and the writer becomes more closely linked to the case than is comfortable. Um, did you know that uh, Christopher Walken was considered for the lead role? No. Yeah. I, uh, that's huh. just a little factoid here. We for, I forgot to put these in last time. Huh. Um, anyway, so what would you think? Um, I thought this was a really good show. Again, you got you can just tell it's, it's definitely giallo. Because you've got the, the 
overdubbing of the language. Right. Well, that happened in a lot of a lot of Italian the language movies. isn't isn't like like they're saying something that's not what the words are that are coming out. Right. But that happened in a lot of Italian movies, even horror yeah. and other kinds. I'm sure. Yeah. Which I just fine. don't watch other kinds. Yeah. But it was nice to see characters that I recognize with with uh, John Saxon in there, and it was uh, you know it was based to have American uh, um, actors in it. So that so that yeah. was good. Um, if you go back and listen to the uh, the promo that we played or the uh, the trailer, you're going to notice that there was some music in there. With the, it starts out with a little Mr. Roboto, and then it moves <laughs> into a little uh, Hawaii Five O with the drums, and it, it goes out with uh, Phantom of the Opera on the organ. So so check that out because that was pretty solid. I thought that was good. Um, but but I really like the flow of this movie. I had seen this before, probably three or four months ago, and I couldn't remember how this ended. No, which was which was great because yeah. then I, I didn't know what was going to happen and I, and I really enjoyed it all the way through. So, I, I thought this was a this was probably this was definitely a good one. Well, and this was a video nasty. So I mean, Why? not that that I don't know it, that doesn't. I was going to say that doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot, but it uh, I mean it amped up the gore. Yeah. I don't and there were uh, there was nudity in it. Yeah, a lot of lesbo nudity. Yep, gotta love that stuff. stuff. Um, you know, so, I mean, it, it had a little bit more. I think it was, uh, I don't think it's one of the, I mean, what, what year was this, 1982? I, I mean, I, I can't tell you if that was a lot for 1982 or anything like that. I, well, you know, I don't the, think it was. There was, a, there was a pretty shocking axe hack at the end where somebody gets their arm hacked off and the oh, blood yeah. squirts all over the wall. Oh, yeah. So that Puts may up, have right. been, because that, oh, that was pretty violent. That was yeah. cool. And those axe deaths at the end definitely paid off. But I think that may be where... Oh, you know what? You could be right. You could be right on that. Uh, as far as the story goes, I think it was really... I think this was a great story. <sighs> Again, it was it was, it was was a murder mystery. There was um, all sorts of red herrings, you know, this and that. Basically, it's a story about Peter Neal, who is, you know, just this famous actor. He goes to Rome to, to pimp out his book. He brings his assistant and uh, Roper, his uh, agent. Could you believe Roper wasn't the top dog in this no, movie? No, no. I bet you're pissed. But he was definitely getting some from the top dog's wife. That's right. That's which right. was awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, and they go over to Rome and, uh, and to pimp his book, and uh, all of a sudden all this shit starts happening. Uh, even before they show up to Rome, actually, there is there is um, the third mother, Anna oh, Peroni, yeah. who played the third mother, was uh, shoplifting. She played the third mother in Inferno, not the third mother in the third mother movie. Like Tears of Mother. Oh yeah, the 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 third the third mother. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Tears of Mother, isn't that? Tears. La of Madre. That's third. Huh? That, I might think third mother. Yeah, anyway, so um, so basically she's just uh, shoplifting a bunch of crap, and she gets taken into the the mall. It's like a mall or an apartment store. She gets taken into this uh, his office, and it's like you know what? Listen, you don't have to call the cops. You don't have to call anybody. I will make it worth your while, meaning um, sexually. Do me, do me, which we didn't. We didn't. She didn't actually do it there. He took a rain check, which is foolish because I mean, I, if, you, if you have that, you need to take that because what happens if she goes along? You try to call her on it. What's he going to do? Call the cops saying that um, she shoplifted because now she's going to say, "Oh, I told him I'd do him." Well, not only that, but what if she's walking home and falls down and sprains her vagina? <laughs> then you're not getting any. <laughs> Or what if she's walking home and some homeless old guy starts banging on the banging on the the, the fence next to her and her vagina just follows off? Did oh, I just, yeah follows off falls off? Did I first of all did I say vagina? Yeah, you did. I said vagina, and follows off. 
Well, I think it's because you usually call it a furgina. <laughs> that, so, that could actually be. So, that, yeah, you always run the risk. You need to take advantage of stuff like that right as it's offered. <laughs> That's the service announcement of the day. Anyway, so basically uh, what happened with her is the killer kills her and then stuffs a bunch of um, uh, pages from Tenebrae actually in her mouth. So, you know, so there's the connection. But what happens is, is this killer decides, you know what, it's not enough to stuff these pages in her mouth. I'm going to, I know where he, he, this killer figures out where Peter Neal is staying and shoves uh, an envelope underneath his uh, hotel door and just lets him know that, hey, listen, this is all, for, I mean, I, I got this inspiration from you, so. And um, that, there that, you go. that stuff kind of reminded me of pieces when. The killer was going out and killing people, and then he'd come back and he'd do his puzzle really quickly. Right. And so they showed the puzzle that he was doing. So the, them showing a Tenebrae book and him ripping pages yeah. out, it, it, it reminded me a lot of, of that movie. Well, in, in the in the very, very beginning, it even there was even a portion where he was reading an excerpt from the book. And I can't remember exactly what it said, but it said something to the effect of, you know, cleansing. They're killing people to, to get rid of the corrupt and to cleanse. Mm you know, uh, the, you know, the earth or whatever. I don't, I don't know if it was cleansing earth. I don't know if it was something like biblical sounding or anything right, like that. Right. But basically it was just, you know, this guy, it seems like since, uh, uh, well, it goes on actually. And there's, uh, this, uh, lesbian reporter that ends up getting killed with as, as, as well as her lover. And, uh, it turns out that, uh, of course that was looked on as an aberrant behavior by the killer, so, first of all, he takes out the um, promiscuous, slutty, hot chick, and then uh, takes out the uh, hot lesbos, and uh, <laughs> so far so good, I guess, is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, hey, man. Well, the problem is, the third, the third death was, this. Uh, it was actually the daughter of the building manager where Peter Neal was staying. She was walking home and gets chased by... Gets chased by this rabid ass Doberman that jumps these fences, and I, I was freaked out. I mean, I did not know that the Dobermans could jump fences like that. Because when I'm walking around, I usually try to give Dobermans some shit, but of course, <laughs> of course, after that, I'm not going to. Uh, so while well, she's she's walking, she's running away. She ends up in this backyard. Um, it only takes so long. Oh yeah. That, it that seems like scene, ten minutes long. The dog is chasing her forever, and you think she's she you think that she's outrunning, but also no, it's back. And and didn't it scratch her or bite her? I can't remember I exactly. Don't remember. Anyway, so she runs into the the backyard of this house. She goes out into the goes down into the cellar to try to find out, or to, you know, just to try to hide out. Well, you know, and, and call somebody. I guess she went to the cellar because she could break open the lock and whatnot. Anyway, so she she tries to make a phone call, but as she's looking around, she finds all these pictures and all these notes that that would uh, basically proof against the killer. You know that, that okay, he has pictures of the two murder victims, and here is all this literature about you know literature about you know what he's doing. That the book Tenere was there, and there's also like folders with the victims. I guess like rap sheet is a bad word, but you know, just but but just information on why these two people were good candidates to be killed, mm. you know. But anyways, this girl doesn't get away. Uh, she um, she actually gets killed by this guy, and uh, the next day a note shows up in Peter Neal's apartment saying, "Listen, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't want to kill this girl except for she was gonna give me, she was gonna rat me out, and I am on this mission to." 
you know, cleanse the, the, the corruptors and uh, just so I had to get rid of her. Anyway, so basically it, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of goes that way for a while. We find out that, um, I don't know, I, I think we went a little bit too far into it last time. Okay. So I don't, I mean, because they do, they do throw a kind of a curveball at you. There was, um, you know, there, there are a few hints dropped throughout, you know, on the way of during an interview. It seems like some guy's a little bit too excited about basically just, just. He's pretty excited about what the killer was doing. Right. Well, he, he was, he was actually saying, oh, Peter Neal, look at this. This is what you say. And he's interpreting it to him saying, that's what this means. And then I think Peter Neal was just saying, no, that's, uh, that's just kind of a murder mystery and whatever. But anyway, so I don't I don't know if we should go on from there. As far as the movie is concerned, I really enjoyed it. I love that Dario Argento, um, you know, from that time er, time period, that kind of vibe in a movie. The um, uh, the soundtrack was done by Goblin, so you have that, you know, which Goblin is freaking known for awesome score horror scores, you know, like in Dawn of the Dead stuff like that, and in a few others, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I say that we don't give anything else away. It's a murder mystery, and even though the end was, in my opinion, just a little bit weak, I kind of, I almost wish they did throw that, that, uh, that curveball at you. But uh, anyway, oh, one, one final note before I forget is um, the fact that uh, there's this really hot chick in the beginning. Oh yeah. The flashback chick. She shows her boobies and everything. Well, that was actually a man. And yeah, she you, wasn't really that hot. She talked about that last time. She was pretty all right. She was okay. I, I never would have guessed but she was a man. I'm telling you right now that every time before I dare open my mouth about a chick being hot, I'm doing the Adam's apple shake. <laughs> you know, it's funny. That's ridiculous. Listen, I, I just watched an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where, where a guy named Max starts going out with this, uh, <laughs> with this transvestite that's really, really hot. But she had, it's just played by the girl on Broken Lizard's... Uh, Club Dread, that blonde on that. Oh, Anyways, she's really hot. But, uh, of course, she has a package. <laughs> and for some reason, they always focus right in on that. Anyhow, so... Uh, um, Is it a real transvestite in real life? No, see, it's a girl in real life. But but they make out and stuff, and they're they're asking this guy, why do you keep making out? You know what to do. And he's just like, listen, I'm putting my time in now. So when he, so when he finally gets it cut off, I'm, I'm the first in line. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that... That's all I got for this one. All right, man. So, what do you give this? Mm. I'll give this a buy. All right. Is that what I gave it last time? Nope, you gave it a bone saw last time. I gave it a bone... What is... My my uh, standards are really high today as compared to last Thursday. I'm going to give it a buy, too. Um, I really liked it, but I thought it kind of got a little convoluted at the end. They tried really hard yeah. to, to make some things happen, so I thought it was good. But it was a 12 on the memory count. Pretty good. Um, pretty solid. Pretty solid, too. Bad. I like the, yeah. uh, how would you, I, I can't tell if I really, I can't, I, I've been thinking about it. I don't know if I, how, how much I like the, uh, the lesbian, uh, lover. I think she's kind of hot in some frames and some, she, I thought she kind of looked like a dog. She was good. All right. Excuse, sorry. So what, what did I learn? A cop trying to do his job is considered gay. When the, uh, cop at the <laughs> beginning of the show. That wasn't a cop, that was a store manager. Store manager, Sorry. <coughs> store manager busted the, the lady and, and she's trying to proposition dude doesn't even have time to come up for air to even think about how he's going to do it Yeah. and uh, so she's like you want to here's my number 
you know, we can work something out. And he's just kind of thinking about it. And she goes, what's the matter? Are you gay? <laughs> so, you know, got to make sure that you're doing your job. Uh, and then the other thing is, if you put a cock to your ear at the beach, you can hear the ocean. That's right. Especially so if you're a transvestite. Trans- transvestite was going from one to the next to the next. Which, by the way, those flashbacks, I had no clue what was anyone. going on until the anyone. very yeah. end, though. Right. So I'm, Which I thought was good, because every time I came up, I'm like, what? Is this? You know, I don't. I just don't like the fact that um, I didn't know that was a dude. Yeah. Some, she gets nude. Yeah. Topless. Yeah. They were kind of little, but still. Good enough, though. <laughs> All right. Who else said that? It's nice. This is a conversation here. It's nice to see you, but I like this place less and less. It's it's cold too. Warmer, and you complain about the smell. And that's a conversation between Eskimo cock and Eskimo badge. <laughs> And then I have another one. It's, it's like there are two people in me and one of them takes over. Yeah. I, I could have gone a lot of different ways on that one. I put Sybil, but that's just gay. <laughs> are I'm, not, you... I'm not even going to try to think that's funny. Well, dude, I thought it, oh. was, I thought it was funny that you just kind of attempted it still. Nice. <laughs> and I got a six degrees here. Anthony Franciosa was in Death Wish 2 with Charles Bronson. Who was in the Indian Runner with Dennis Hopper? Who was in Apocalypse Now with Harrison Ford? Clear and present danger, Willem Dafoe, Spider-Man, Bruce Campbell. I do not remember Harrison Ford in Apocalypse Now. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. I trust you. Yes. All right. So we will be right back with our last movie. You know, guys, we've been doing the new Obscure Age Rewind show for a couple months now, and I suddenly came to a realization. That you're gay. Uh, what's that? I, I realize that a lot of people think the Obscure 80s Rewind is like nothing more than a greatest hits version of the old Obscure 80s show. Uh-huh. That's just not the case. Right. Well, maybe we should let them know that the Obscure 80s Rewind is a new show where we take things back to when the Obscure 80s was a little simpler. You know, like streamlined, as it were. Exactly. It's, it's like a show where we keep the 80s focus on one topic at a time. Yeah, while well, keeping it um, a little more obscure. Okay, so uh, how we do it? How we let them know? Uh, guys, I think maybe we just did. Morons. Uh, awesome. Yeah, that was that was easier than I thought. Obscurities rewind. Check them out online at obscurities.com or pennycult.com. Idiots.
Alright, and we are back with our last movie, which is What Have You Done to Solange? I like how you say that, dude. Solange? Yeah, Solange. By the way, this this is the type of title I'm talking about, I mean. Because yeah. uh, it's like all of a sudden all these like really uh, perverted, uh, corrupt things pop in my mind. Well, the first thing that I thought of was that Solange was the name of the gerbil from the song a couple of episodes ago. <laughs> what, what have you done with him? What have you butt. done to Solange? <laughs> I put a I put an empty gift wrapping. Uh, uh, roll up my ass and launched him in there. That's what I did with Shalong. That's what I did with... Uh, at least it's not, what have you done with Shalong? <laughs> what have you done with Shalong? Uh, anyways, it uh, came out in 1972. Jealousies, orgies, and lesbian games. What have you done to Solange? What's all this about a priest? One of Elizabeth's ideas. She kept having nightmares about the murder. Reliving it over and over again. What have you done to Solange? I know nothing about Mr. Rosani's relations with the Seckles girl and the other two. Nobody has said there was a relationship with the other two girls. Right? Oh, it seems rather evident. I see. But you're no What have you done to Solange? Uh, 
Uh, IMDb gave it a 6.9. It was directed by Massimo Dallamano. Uh, it was written by Bruno Di Geronimo and Massimo Dallamano. And I mentioned this last time too, but after this and the cannibal episode, I am tired of saying a bunch of Italian names because I feel like a dumbass every time I try to pronounce it. Uh, let's see, it was starring Fabio Testi, and that is really his name. He is named after uh, the singular of testicle. Uh, he played Enrico Henry Rossini. Uh, Christiana Galbo played Elizabeth Seckles. <laughs> Seckles, my testy. So, so that didn't we decide that if they were to get married, it would be the Seckles testy wedding? No, it'd be the testy Seckles. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's what happens when you're running polar bear. When you when you get out of the water, that reminds me, dude. <laughs> Who sent us? Did you see that that email about the uh, swine flu and how we have to shake hands in a different way? Yes, that was yes, yeah, that was uh, that was Otter that sent us to that. that I've actually awesome. I've actually started to try to implement that. Otter sent us a picture of basically instead of shaking hands, they shake uh, genitalia. I guess is the best word to use, which would be great as long as I only like met with women. How'd you, how'd you like to have to do that for every dude? I don't want crabs crawling down my hand, dude. <laughs> oh, by the way, one thing, one note is that um, Ennio Morricone did the music. So, I mean, then uh, go over to JFMP to uh, listen to his Ennio Morricone show, and um, he, he gives you a lowdown on that guy. But it's an excellent, uh, it's an excellent soundtrack. Uh, synopsis: Several girls are murdered by an elusive Catholic priest in a residence college. Police and teachers are unable to locate the killer and prevent further deaths. Henry, who has a romantic interest in one of the students, Elizabeth, becomes the main suspect. Suspect, but so, but so are other male and even female teachers. Are the girls going to do the right thing, telling their suspicions to the priest in secrecy of confession? In the secrecy of confession. That's it. Hmm. Uh, one one thing too is Joe D'Amato has a small role in this. Joe D'Amato is the um, director of Anthropophagus, Anthropophagus 2000, and Sam's favorite series of movies of all time, the Emmanuel movies. Oh my gosh, Emmanuel! Those were the unfortunately those were the first boobs I ever saw. I remember going over to my grandma's house to sleep over, and she let us fall asleep in front of the TV, and she had cable. Oh yeah! And so I was watching Showtime. And all of a sudden, there's there's some hooters right there. Excellent. Right, right there for me to see. And I was shocked. I didn't know what to think. So that was scary. So basically, this in this movie is, is first of all, it made me realize that, uh, it made me realize that what I wanted to actually do was to become a ancient, what was he, like a, like a French teacher yeah. and a gymnastics teacher. Or for Italian. Ita Ita Italian. Oh, you're right. Italian teacher for an all-girls all Catholic school. Because basically, there was one teacher who kind of looked, what did you say, he looked like... Uh, He's uh, Jesus the Caveman. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus the Geico Caveman. With a little bit of Sean Connery. <laughs> if they all ran into each other really fast yeah. and congealed, that's what would come out. Anyway, so basically, here's this guy that continually um, makes these uh, relationships with, with these supposedly underage women. I assume mm -hmm. that they're 16, 17-year-old girls. Um... And uh, so, and then one gets murdered. One of these girls gets murdered, and of course, the mystery, the, the crime story slash murder mystery is on. 
Um, it, this movie is different, I think, than the first two that we talked about a little bit because this kind of went... Uh, this is, I would think, one of the most extreme uh, giallos that there is. I mean, there were, there were a lot... All the murders were done in very... Well, maybe not... You didn't see like a ton of gore or anything like that, but... They were, it, they were very explicit in the way that they were done. And also, there was a crap load of nudity. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, man, for a burger eating contest, I would have uh, not been able to eat as many burgers as we're shown. That's gross. I'm telling you. that's. <laughs> um, secondly, one of the reasons I want to be, uh, work at one of those schools is because one of the stupid priests had, uh, had uh, etched a little peephole into the girls' uh, shower room, and uh, they like to uh, slather each other up. Yeah, really weird. I had no idea that girls uh, would like to talk to each other, could sneak up behind each other, yeah. and uh, and scratch each other's back. But then I thought, you know, it makes sense because if, if guys were to sneak up behind each other's backs, you'd feel protrusions like going into <laughs> yeah, So they're not quite back. as sneaky. So yeah, they can't be sneaky about that. Anyway, so, well, basically the story moves on. We, um... What was this guy's name? Henry or Enrico? Enrico. And we, we, Enrico has this, he, you know, he lives with his wife in this house, uh, but he also has what I like to call the love pad, which is basically where he takes all of these underage girls to go and, uh, you know, have a little bit of privacy. You know, and the funny thing is his wife, like, the whole time knows what's going on. She, it's, she knows about it. She doesn't have ultimate proof, but, I mean, it's fairly obvious when, you know, uh, I I don't know, but anyway. So they. Well, hate but it's it's obvious because I think the first time you see her, she's standing at the freezer pulling out her vagina that she inserts to herself because it's been freezing in there because she is not going to give her husband. You that. know what? She was cute. I thought she was. Really? I thought maybe for like a little older woman, she was probably high. Yeah, maybe forty, high thirties, maybe forty. She was. She, 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 she looked dirty to me. Are you kidding me? Well, in the first one, she was supposed to be all pissed off and whatever. When she started smiling towards the end and all that stuff, I thought she was pretty cute. Yeah, her, her badge melted a little bit at that point. Sick. It turns out that, um, I, I don't really want to... Can't, we can't go into much of it. This yeah. is where we had to stop last time because these, these stories are so well done, and especially this one was so well done. That because like you don't even know you don't even get introduced to Solange or who that is oh yeah until three quarters of the way through the movie and she's played by Camille Keaton who was yeah. who was the main girl in I Spit on Your Grave that's right it is funny because it's like halfway through the movie instead of thinking what have I done to Solange I was thinking where the hell is Solange <laughs> <laughs> it's so true but the thing is is I don't think that I don't think that the first half of the movie was some kind of a um, just a, a runaround chase. I mean, I concluding that certain people weren't the murderer mm -hmm. early on led right in in the investigation to what actually happened, and that's actually where Solange comes in. You know, we we see her and she. I guess she's uh, there. Something happened to her, and she's kind of crazy and, and uh, gone a little psycho and and just kind of uh, disconnected from from yeah. uh, everybody. But you know what? The nice thing is, is you can tell that she really, because of how far gone she was, she really can. Uh, like really collected herself and was good to go and I spit on your grave. Yes. And just take rapes. Because that's oh, what helped get her through. Those rapes. <laughs> so that she could go cut off wieners and, <laughs> and screw people and then kill them. Yeah. Total mental toughness. <laughs> that's after, a, that is a great point. Yeah, I cannot believe this. that I have, did yeah. not think of that myself. Yep. Well, Proud of her. <laughs> Proud of her. Again, I mean, this, this movie also had a lot of... Um, 
themes, like really dark themes, like, uh, for instance, especially if you're a Catholic, you know, yeah. thinking about oh, the yeah. sanctity of confession, yep. uh, there was, uh, you know, obviously, um, what's the word, uh, you know, high school girls and, and uh, their promiscuity, you know, things like that. There were lies, there, there were people who, people in the school who knew what was going on with uh, Enrico and the girls, but just turned to the other cheek, or just looked away because... It's like he he knew it was going on, but it, I don't I don't know why he thought it was okay. But he was just like, I don't worry about it. Let's you know, let's not let's not uh, rattle that whatever. Well, and I can tell you for an absolute assurity that if my girlfriend what got killed, my wife would not help me solve her murder. Yeah, I can tell. I, I will <laughs> tell you right now with hundred percent surety that would not happen. Yeah, there's some kind of a they make up somehow, and uh, like I said, that badge comes out of the deep freeze, and she is good to go for some reason <laughs> in the middle of this movie. Well, that's because even though she's in her high, uh, she's in like her high thirties or her low forties, her vagina from being like uh, cryogenically preserved is like uh, twenty, nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so she's good to go. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That is awesome. But yeah, let's not let's not get give hmm. anything else away. I I will say that uh, I will give this movie a buy. Is that what I gave it last time? Yes, and I give this a bone saw. And it's about an hour and fifty minutes, and it had my attention the whole time. This, yeah, was, this and, was a great story. And like I said, the, there were two whole different types of. I mean, not like two whole, but but there were two main parts of the investigation, and it's like so you could think, well, they could have cut out the, the you know most of the first one. And, you know, just have the second one, and it would have been a really good movie. It would have, but I don't think that there was any problems with no, the first part of it. I no. mean, I really, I yeah. thought it was good. There I thought was what they nothing did was weird. Good. Nothing weird, or they didn't leave anything out. There is, although, if you're squirmish a little bit, you'll probably, um, especially, like, if you're one that goes to the carnival and you can't go and watch the freak show, you're going to want to stay away because there's a part where this girl comes out and she's the whitest person I've ever seen. <laughs> Like, her nipples are white. She's completely white. And she's doing a milk commercial. And uh, it was pretty disturbing. Was it a milk commercial? Yeah. It was pretty disturbing. And some of the poses that she had made her ass just look flabby like there was no... I mean, I really looked at it. It was au natural. It was gross. So, anyways, that was really disturbing. So, if you get get offended by that kind of stuff or have nightmares about milky white chicks coming at you, don't don't watch this. I don't remember. And I'll cut this out if I'm stepping on your toes, but... Didn't you say something about how in this movie you learned what a vaginsicle was or something? No, it's just, I've got this on you. <laughs> oh. So what did I learn from this movie? The First of all, there's 31 on the mammary count. Yeah, what did I learn? Girls from every decade in every country give the same stall tactics when it comes to losing their virginity. <laughs> like what? Well, at the beginning, she's like, not here, not now. <laughs> Where and when? What are you talking about? We're in a boat in freaking Italy. <laughs> What the hell else does it get better? <coughs> we can drop them. We're, we're in a boat to Italy, and there's a murder going on that you're witnessing. Why right. isn't this Doesn't a good time? Doesn't that heighten your sense of, like, your <laughs> adrenaline? You'd think that that would get your blood flowing even more. Sick. Stand your bean up on end. Whoa! Whoa! I guess not. Stand, did you just say stand your bean up on end? Yeah. Oh, man. I'm going to have to work that into conversation tonight. <laughs> All right, and the next thing I learned was vag kebabs don't look as appetizing as I thought they did. Oh, I thought they would. That's right, vag kebabs. And that was accented even more by freaking x-ray. I don't know why they had to show the x-ray. Yeah. Like, it's horrific enough to know that the knife went through the vag, 
But once you take an x-ray and see it halfway up to your uh, pelvic bone, I was gonna say, mom well, and dad. I think, I think that, that knife is a little longer than I expected it to yeah, be. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and then uh, principled woman, in quotation marks. Principled woman is killed for frigid. Yep. Um, and then girls in school showers wash each other's backs. Which is excellent. Yeah. And who else said that now? You just think about screwing and grit your teeth, and that's your friendly neighborhood dentist. So is that... <laughs> <laughs> and let's see, Six Degrees, Fabio Testi was in The Ambassador with Robert Mitchum, who was in Cape Fear with Juliette Lewis, who was in From Dust Till Dawn with Danny Trejo, who was in Six Days, Seven Nights with Harrison Ford, Clear and Present Danger, Willem Dafoe, Spider-Man, Bruce Campbell. Excellent. All right, so that is our that was us going into the Giallos, which, you know, I liked him. I'm, I did too. I'm going to watch some more. I mean, I know... Florida Possum was all mean to me because I said on the forums that you know what we're gonna we're gonna be a little late with this episode because uh, we had a few tech uh, almost said testicle problems technical problems. <laughs> She's like, I don't care. I don't even like I don't even like Jellos. Oh, Have to give her a little bit of crap for that, but uh, she'll like him after this episode. How can you not? No, no, no. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go watch uh, Strip Nude for Your Killer. I think Are I you? just got that. Let well, me know how that is. I it was funny because I put a whole bunch in my queue. On Netflix, so that I can be watching them, and I think I got a couple. Actually, I just what did I just get? Grandma's Boy. Oh, dude, that, that movie yeah. rocks. I just got that one, and so we'll have to see what's coming next. I turned some in, but yeah, I thought this episode was good, and, and you know what? We actually know what we're doing next time. We we do. It's we, a Halloween episode, and but the thing is, is we're not because this one was late. We're not going to push that one. We're still going to do it a week oh, yeah. from a week from Thursday, yes. probably. Well, so. no, we're going to do it early. Oh, oh, oh. So you can get it out. Oh, that's right. So we're going to do a Wednesday, probably. Well, either day, I'm fine. Yeah. And then we'll push it. We'll get it done. But we're going to do Trick or Treat, the 2009 Trick or Treat. Or is it 2008? Uh, it's actually 2007, but oh, it, barely, it didn't get released on okay. in anywhere but like festival screenings and things like that until two, uh, until 2009. All right. So, two, so 2007 Everybody, Trick or Treat. Everybody's talking about that movie right now. Have you seen it yet? No. Oh, it is that good. No, so. I wanted to. I was going to watch it, but then when we talked about doing it for the episode, I'm going to wait. Yeah. And then now we're going to do Young Frankenstein, and we're going to do uh, Halloween 3, which is one that I've not seen. Hall- I forgot about Halloween 3. I could. I was thinking of the other two. And we're doing that because these are movies that, that uh, and I'm not saying, these are just good, classic movies to watch around Halloween time. And I realized that Trick or Treat is brand new, at least... Uh, at least to most of us, but uh, I think it's such. I think it it deserves to be right up there with um, with uh, some of the other Halloween classics, even though it's it's brand new. Well, I wanted to do uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas, but I I got vetoed on that. So you never said that. I, I was gonna say I've watched that like twelve times in the last month show. because my show. kids watch that show constantly. But anyways, okay, so let's do a little recap on uh, what we have going on. Make sure to get your cadaver tracks into. Uh, Ferguson at Ferguson at CadaverLab.com. That is, those are all due October 30th. And uh, we've already done ours. Yeah. So, in fact, we did ours the, before I think anybody else knew what the movie was. Because uh, the cadaver tracks ended up being so damn funny. Uh, okay, so have those into Ferguson if you can by October 30th. Um, let's see, we got the, what contest we, we have. Uh, make sure to... Uh... We've got the What Is My Thinking, so I'll put up three new movies uh, that, that we can guess on that. It looks like we had uh, Kruger Dude was the only guy that I saw that got that correct. So oh, I'll, cool. I'll be sending out a prize pack to Kruger Dude. Nice work on that on this, this week's episode. 
Um, and that's the only contest we're running right now. I'm trying to think of some other ones, but want to make sure that they're they're good and fun. And uh, we got to think about giving away that book. Yeah, the zombie book. So we'll be so thinking about out. that. And get your movies in or your videos. Oh, that's for, right. Uh, uh, YouTube uh, right now, Spooky Bill's got that prize pack, and it's going to be a good one. So make sure you get your uh, your your entries in if you can do that. It doesn't have to be over the top creative. We just want something up on YouTube. When is uh, when's the due date for that? October thirty first. Okay. October thirty so first. Halloween. And then we'll put a vote up on the, the thing, and uh, we'll let that run for a week or two, and then uh, we'll be good to go. All right. So uh, if you want to get a hold of us, I'll always send your emails to mikeatcadaverlab.com. Or Sam at cadaverlab.com. If you have any questions or anything like I said about uh, the cadaver tracks, anything like that, email ferguson at cadaverlab.com. Um, we love uh, getting voicemails. Please call in for our Halloween show. We got, uh, well, what's the number? I, we're, not, I'm not in the, we're not in the regular studio, so I don't know our number. 206-339-2730. Does that sound right? 206 339 and I think Sam's about to look for something to see what it is. Oh, yeah. 206-339-2730. Yep. So that's good. Oh, and make sure you listen to uh, Joe Shriver, my interview with Joe Shriver that's going to follow this podcast. Right. Uh, because that guy is awesome, very talented, and you'll you'll enjoy hearing what he's got to say. And oh. go check out his books. Came out October 13th, No Doors, No Windows, and Death Troopers. And also make sure to, to uh, read Sam's articles on the Examiner. That's right. He'll get a penny. I don't like that you're uh, readjusting yourself right there. <laughs> All right. He stood up. Damn you. All right. So uh, that's it then? We're good? Yes. So from the Cadaver Lab, we will see you later. All right. So I'm here with Joe Schreiber, and he is the author of a couple of excellent books, No Doors, No Windows and Death Troopers. Um, Joe, we're happy to have you and appreciate you taking some time. Thank you, sir. Um, I, I just, we've got some prospective authors that listen to the show and some people that kind of dabble in writing, so I think there's, uh, there's, there's some excitement to find out you know, how, how you got started, um, what inspires you and things like that. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up and how'd you get into writing? Well, I've been writing basically as long as I able to write. Um, I grew up all over the country. My dad uh, is a surgeon and just a really restless, itinerant guy. And he sort of moved our family everywhere. I was born in Michigan, but grew up in Alaska and Wyoming and California, kind of all over the place. Um, but I've always sort of been into reading and, and telling stories and then writing stories. It's always just been the thing that I sort of figured I was going to end up doing, even if I really didn't make a living with it. But it's, it's been with me basically my whole life. Okay, good. So... So how do you how did you get started? I mean, how did you get a book published? Walk me through that. Well, I wrote a bunch of books that were really awful before I wrote something that was <laughs> even approachable as far as something that could get published. And when I finally did write something that I thought was good enough, uh, which was kind of right after college, I went about the business of finding an agent. And the agent that I found, who's also the agent that I still have now, was able to place my first novel. Um, before that, I'd sort of I'd entered story contests and that sort of thing, but it wasn't until I really felt, kind of felt serious about it and got an agent that things started to move forward for me. Okay. Okay. Good. And so, so um, you, you've written these two books: No Doors, No Windows, and Death Troopers. What was the first book that you had published then? What other books have I got published? Well, I said, I'm sorry. Yeah. Which, which? What was the first book that you got published? 
Well, way back in 1994, I published uh, a novel that was a non-supernatural suspense novel called Next of Kin. Putnam uh, published that, and uh, and then there was a there was a bit of there was a bit of a break after that, and uh, and then in 2006, I published a novel called Chasing the Dead, and another one called Eat the Dark in 2007. Okay. Excellent. And what kind of draws you to the horror genre? It sounds like, you know, you write about some dark topics. What what draws you to that? Well, it's funny because the writers that I grew up reading really enthusiastically were horror writers, but I never really thought of them as such. I mean, I remember distinctly being 10, 11 years old and reading The Stand for the first time and then later reading Peter Straub and Clive Barker, guys like that. And, and I read them because they just they, they captivated me. They helped my interest in the stories they wrote. Um, just held my attention, and, and I never really thought about you know, this is horror or this is you know supernatural or fantasy. They were they were just stories with compelling characters and, and a sort of emotional quotient that I could identify with even as a kid. And so I guess it makes sense that when I got serious about writing stories, I was going to be working in that same that same territory. Yeah, you know, and I agree with that, and and I can tell by your writing. I mean, I really enjoyed both of these books, No Doors, No Windows, and Death Troopers, and one of the things that I really liked about them was the pacing of the story. I mean, I, you didn't have a bunch of fluff in there. Um, in fact, why don't, we, why don't we get into that a little bit? Why don't you tell us a little bit about No Doors, No Windows first? Uh, just just give us a brief synopsis of what you, uh, what you want people to know about it. No Doors, No Windows is about a guy who comes back home to his hometown for his father's funeral, um, and when he's there, he discovers a manuscript in a shed behind his father's house. Well, he had no idea his father was even a writer, but his father's credited with the story, and the story is about a house that has a wing that you can only enter once you're inside the house. And the son reads the, you know, the unfinished book, and he's you know, really gripped by it. And, and then before he leaves town, he realizes his father was writing about a house that's actually in town, and he goes and checks it out and realizes that there's some real connections to some of the things that his father was writing about. He decides to extend his stay a little bit and see if he can finish the book himself and in doing so sort of get sucked into this kind of perverse family history and this kind of old crime that the men in his family are complicit with so it's, it's a ghost story and it's, it's my attempt to, to write a haunted house novel in a way that is, is new and uh, but at the same time involves some of the things that I really like about some of the great haunted house and haunted hotel novels I read in, when I was younger like Kings the Shining and Shirley Jackson's book The Haunting of Hill House um, there's elements that run through that as well okay good and, and yeah and, and I think there are some dark topics that are hit here and, and that's, that's what's great about it the characters are rich one thing that I really liked is you didn't put characters in this in this story that, that just didn't have anything to do with it I understood and felt like I had a background with each one of these characters which I thought was excellent um, now you do hit some, some pretty heavy topics in this book I gotta ask you when you when you write on these these dark topics, um, you know it comes from a creative place. What is, what does your family and those around you think about some of these dark things that you write about? I, I get a lot of uh, I get a lot of static from people in my family <laughs> about why I feel compelled to constantly include kids in my in my work, and I really have no defense for that. Um, except that again, I mean, books I read when I was younger, uh, a lot of the time would have kids in them as characters. Um, obviously, I you know I'm the I'm the father of two young kids. I'm a five year old and a seven year old, and, mm-hmm. and I love them to death. And my fears, you know, as a parent, and my fears as an individual are, are mainly fears of something you know bad happening to my family. Um, but you know, I think that when you sit 
down to write, there's a weird sort of level of, of almost emotional anesthesia that it allows you to both sort of channel and sort of be immune to the, the sort of terror that you're describing on the page. Because um, if any of this stuff were to actually happen to me, you know, or even if I read it in some book that somebody else wrote, it, I find it profoundly affecting. But there's a weird sense of when you're inside the story yourself, you're sort of driving it forward, immune to you know some of the horrible things that you're actually you know describing. But you're still able to sort of channel them forward. Yeah, and and I and I agree with that. That's that's what my draw is to watching horror movies. It's that same thing. I feel like I I'm drawn in more emotionally. They they really hit me hard, and some of the things uh-huh. some of the things that I watch. Um, really hit me emotionally more so than than your average, you know, no brain go in there and watch an action movie. Uh, it's the horror movies that really get me thinking. So I, I agree Absolutely. with that. Um, you know, and, and it's funny you talked about the children in your book. You know, some of the most creepy parts in No Doors, No Windows involved Henry. Um, there, there were a couple of points where I read, and I, I don't want to give any spoiling away because I think everybody needs to go out and, and, and read these books. But there's a couple of parts involved with Henry that, that I, you know, I got a shiver and actually, you know, out loud, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. I mean, I, I even said that out loud. And my wife was wondering what I was reading. Just it, it was it was excellent and, and very well done. Let me ask you about that, too. So how hard is it to portray horror and violence compared to, you know, we get to watch it on a movie. But how hard is that to do writing? Well, in my mind, I feel like, really, if you're going to successfully tell a story, whether it's horror or suspense or romance or, you know, anything, you're asking the reader to enter a world that you've created. And in order to really hold up your end of the deal, you, the writer is really responsible for creating, you know, a recognizable world. Even if it's set on a Star Destroyer or on Altair 7, you know, you really need to work to create and establish a familiar setting where the reader is not only feels comfortable, but sympathetic for the surroundings. And... I think that's really the underpinnings and the beginnings of telling a good, scary story. I feel like nothing's less effective than throwing a zombie up on page one um, and asking the reader or vampire or whatever, asking the reader to be frightened of it. I feel like if you don't lay that groundwork, nothing you do afterwards is going to amount to much more than the same sort of loud music and, and jolting sort of startling moments that, that are in a lot of the least less successful horror movies. I mean, things that just thrown up there basically to create a very immediate startle reaction, but really nothing like the sort of unsettling chill that you, you hope for when you sit down to read a scary book or watch a scary movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, good. Well, and, and so, again, this, this book is called No Doors, No Windows, and uh, a very creepy book. It's, it's 274 pages. The reading went very quickly. I read this book in, in about two and a half days, so I would, I would tell everyone to go check this out. And, uh, and then let, let's get into Death Troopers. This, this, was, this was a real treat for me because I, I've read several Star Wars novels. I'm a Star Wars junkie. Um, as I was going to college several years ago, uh, I, I started picking up these books and, and read probably 30 to 40 um, of, of these books. And so I was really excited to find out that, that uh, you had written a Star Wars novel that, that revolved around horror. But one question I've got, I, I understand it's pretty tough to get approved by Lucas uh, Lucas Arts to be able to write one of these books. Tell us, tell us about how you got approved to do that. Well, it's one of those things that just kind of is my least favorite kind of answer when I hear somebody say this. That this is true. This is one of those things that just kind of happened. My my editor at Del Rey, Keith Clayton, who was the editor for a couple of my earlier books, was really involved in the Star Wars expanded universe line, and he had been sitting around with somebody else at a convention. They were at a bar or something, just kind of talking about 
how cool it would be to do a Star Wars horror novel, and that was sort of just the end of it. But he mentioned it to my agent, my agent mentioned it to me, and I basically said, you know, I, can, I, can I at least get a, get, a, get a shot at this? It just sounds like too much fun not to at least take a swing at. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I was really impressed by how ready and interested Lucas Films and Lucas Arts was doing something sort of new. Um, just from the get-go. I mean, they were very encouraging and they were very very open to some of the ideas that we were talking about. They, they really wanted to do a Star Wars horror novel. They didn't want to do it kind of halfway. They really wanted to, to push the buttons on it. So I, I was, you know, I was ready to go. Yeah, that's great. Now, you know, most of the horror, most of the Star Wars stories are, are set PG to PG-13. You know, we get into some really terror, you know, terror here and some some good horror and some good gore was there any pushback at all about you writing that that type of thing none whatsoever actually i really felt like again i just felt like wow this is a great fit because i mean they said we want to do a george romero story in a george lucas universe and i I said great i got that you know i definitely can do that for you and then you know when the cover came out and that was all over the internet Mm -hmm. i couldn't believe that they were that they were cool with it i was i was just thrilled yeah. I was like, this is exactly, you know, the tone that, that I was shooting for. This wasn't going to be, you know, the Galaxy of Fear young adult series. This was going to be something new. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a real show of faith on their part, I think, that they went ahead and, and uh, were so excited about what I was, what I was turning into on yeah, that's that's great. Now, another question I've got for you is I've read these Star Wars books. There's kind of a, it has its own language and its own its own words and things like that. You know, you, you name the characters Trig and Kale Longo. You have Our Miss. I don't know if I'm pronouncing these right or not. Jerris uh, Jer- Sartoris and Zahara Cody. The- these are the characters in this book. Is there some sort of Star Wars encyclopedia where you have to keep up with the different language? Because these books all have to flow, right? Yeah, there's definitely a strong sense of continuity with the Star Wars books. And when you move into that franchise, you have to be aware of you know where you are in the time period and, and making things line up with the continuity that they that they've been working so hard to create. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about this book. You know, just a brief synopsis of of, of where this goes. This takes place directly before New Hope, so this is right before um, the first. You know, what I consider to be the first Star Wars movie because I grew up with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Death Troopers basically starts out on an Imperial prison barge called the Purge which is transporting about 500 prisoners to a, a prison moon, and it breaks down, and uh, they're trying to repair it. The crew is trying to repair it, and they come across what seems like a derelict star destroyer. They can't get it to respond to any of They can't get it to acknowledge any of their hailing frequencies. So they send a group of people on board to the, to the star destroyer, basically to scavenge up parts to fix up the prison barge. And some of them don't come back. And some of them do come back. And it becomes clear pretty quickly that the ones that do come back are carrying something with them that uh, quickly spreads through the, the prison barge and uh, affects everybody on board in, in a horrible way. Okay. Yeah, so this this book, like I you know, I was impressed with this, with this story because it goes along with the Star Wars theme but really delves into the horror. And some of the imagery there, especially when the, the first landing party gets on the Star Destroyer, uh, you know, they find the things behind, and like I said, I'm not going to give this away, but they find some of the, the uh, things behind the glass and the, uh-huh. des- the descriptions of what's going on there is just, is just fantastic. So um, did you get any inspiration? You said George Romero was an inspiration. Was there anything in particular that you did as a tribute or anything like that within this book? Um, well, actually, I mean, I, I, I 
go with the Romero reference mainly because, I mean, I feel like the first Men of the Living Dead, the 1968 movie, is probably the, the totally one of the best kind of touch points you can hit on when you're dealing with this. I mean, they, the other thing things are called zombies, they're just the walking dead. I mean, these people are in a graveyard and then corpses are coming after them and they're hungry and they're unstoppable and there's really no way of, you know, arguing with them or even understanding them. And that, to me, is, is, is much scarier than, you know, what's going on in Zombieland or whatever, where it's played, you know, for action and comedy and horror at the same time. And I feel like Romero back, back in the day was making these almost guerrilla-type Know, horror films and, and they were really good um as far as more current things like when i visualize the emptiness of the star destroyer i spend a lot of time listening to music from kubrick's movie the shining just to get a sense of that same kind of ominous openness and expansive space that was can be terrifying even though it seems like there's nothing around you just that sort of barren sterile space that uh, creates its own sense of creepiness mm-hmm Speaking of music, I noticed on your website that you've got playlists dedicated to these books, and and tell us a little bit about that. What 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 those are? Well, it's a weird thing. I think that I mean generally when I write, I I, I kind of write in silence. But what, as I go through the book and sort of think about it, certain songs have been suggesting themselves, and a sort of mood gets created that I sort of equivocate with certain songs. So that by the time I'm done with the first draft, I've, I've got a mental play with the songs in my head. That I've, in the case of Death Troopers, I just kind of put it together for fun, um, put the songs together and played it while I was editing the book. And the more I worked with it, the more I just felt like, wow, this really, the songs on here that really sort of grab the, the atmosphere that I'm trying to create at certain times. And, and it was just, it was just a lot of fun to do. And, and uh, people have been, I think, gotten a kick out of having those songs out there and, and just knowing, you know, getting a sense of, like, this is, you know, in a perfect world, you know, if I was going to make this movie, you know, these, these would be some of the songs that were used in certain parts of the book. Good. Um, now, you have another Star Wars book that's coming out in 2010. Is there? Can you can you talk anything about that, or is that still under wraps? It's just finished. I just sent it in to my editor just the other day in my first draft of it. And, and right now, all that they've really said about it is that it's, you know, it's a horror novel, and then it's not a sequel. Okay. It's, it's not going to directly conjoin with Death Troopers. Okay, good. Well, that's uh, we can definitely look forward to that. That that's exciting. Um, what else? What else should we know? If if people want to learn more about Joe Schreiber, where where should they go? I have a um, I'm on Facebook, like everybody, I guess. I have a a, uh, a website which is uh, www.scaryparent.blogspot.com that I try to keep updated, um, and I contribute every week to uh, Delray Books's uh, website, Suzuki.com, as well. I write a column from the, for them. Okay, great. And uh, so, what's next for you? You just you, you got the first draft of the next Star Wars book in. What's what's next on the horizon for Joe? I have a uh, another book coming out next fall, which is an original horror novel based on the TV show Supernatural that I'm doing for DC Comics that uh, just finished up too. So that'll also probably be out next fall. Oh, that's awesome! That's great. Well, I can tell you. I, I am a huge fan. These these books uh, were excellent. I'll be going out to check out everything that you've got, and I'll encourage all of our listeners to go out buy these books. They they come up they come out on October thirteenth. Um, so so go check out No Doors No Windows and Death Troopers, uh, and then get back to us and let us know uh, what you think about Joe's work. And uh, Joe, as you continue to publish books, we, we'd love to have you back and uh, and and have you come talk about them. Thanks. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. This is Joe Schreiber, and uh, appreciate your time, Joe. No problem at all. Thank you. You bet.